All right, Creatures of the Night and everybody out there in the PSK, the Pod Street crew. Alex Dorio here, one half of the Talking Taker podcast, bringing you another classic episode of Talking Taker, bumped up to the top of your podcast feed, back from the dead. And this month, we are going back to episode 63 of Talking Taker, originally released in October of 2018. So yeah, this is perfect. This was originally released five years ago this very week. And um, it's timely in that sense, but maybe it's not timely as far as a anniversary of what took place. But uh, this month's episode of Back from the Dead is going to be King of the Ring 2000. Now, you might be scratching your head there going, wait, what was King of the Ring 2000? That's maybe not necessarily the most memorable Undertaker match of all time. It is a six-man tag of the Undertaker, a rare six-man tag on pay-per-view for the Undertaker where he teamed up with The Rock and Kane to take on Triple H, Shane McMahon, and Vince McMahon. Star-studded main event, and the whole match is for the WWF Championship. Yeah, the title is on the line in this six-man tag, so that's kind of wild. But really, the real importance of this one is because it is the episode where we cover the debut of the American Badass, of the Biker Taker. And with that debut, with that reinvention of the Undertaker, uh, you know, of course it took place at Judgment Day 2000. That's when he actually returned. But he wasn't in a match at that pay-per-view. His first match back was at King of the Ring 2000. So that's why it's all covered here on this episode of Talking Taker. Uh, But with that character's re-debut came the debut of a brand new entrance song for The Undertaker. Kid Rock's American Badass, a huge shift, a huge moment in The Undertaker's career, and that's why we're bumping it up to the top of your podcast feed today, because coming up on November 1st, our upcoming brand new episode of Talking Taker, we're going to be covering a topic as voted by you, the PSK. We're going to be covering the complete history of The Undertaker's entrance music. So, I mean, The Undertaker has so many iconic entrance musics. Uh, You could point to like 10 different songs and say, oh yeah, that's The Undertaker's entrance music. No, 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 that's The Undertaker's entrance music. No, no, like that's the most iconic entrance music. You could make a good argument for so many different ones. And Travis and I, we're going to chart the evolution of it from the very first funeral dirge or funeral march that he came in at Survivor Series 1990 with all the way up to his usage of Metallica, now that we're dead in the Boneyard match. And then, yeah, even beyond that, we'll we'll talk about uh, what he's been doing here in 2023. Because, yeah, The Undertaker actually is back in 2023 uh, in a couple different ways. So uh, we we actually, the the timing of this worked out perfect. We'll, We'll be able to discuss his comeback on NXT a couple weeks ago. And the debut of his own podcast. That's right. Mark Calloway, the man himself, is uh, not just the man that we're covering, 
on this show, uh, digging up his career. Uh, now he's got his own show. He's a competitor of ours. He's following in our footsteps now. So how about that? Six Feet Under with Mark Calloway. The Undertaker's very own podcast has debuted. You know we subscribe to that Patreon. You know we listen to it. You know we loved it. And uh, we're going to recap it here on the next episode of Talking Taker, the first episode of Six Feet Under, at least. Uh, we're going to give you a, a brief overview of it. We're not going to cover everything, uh, all the spoilers of it, because we encourage you out there. We want you all to subscribe to it, and we certainly don't want to take away any any uh, subscriptions from that. But we just want to give you some highlights of it and encourage you to, to listen to it. So, uh, yeah, we'll be covering that. Uh, along with, of course, that complete history of The Undertaker's entrance music. So be on the lookout for that on November 1st. Uh, as well, uh, I want to encourage you to be sure you're subscribed. Uh, of course, subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all that good stuff. But subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. Travis actually joined me live and in person for a special YouTube unboxing of a figure to represent one of The Undertaker's opponents to add to my collection, I am down to literally the final three. The final three figures I need to complete my collection of Undertaker opponents. So uh, if you've got any leads on some Steiner Brothers WWF Hasbro figures uh, that you can give me a, a PSK bargain for, uh, please hit me up, uh, as well as the Isaac Yankum DDS. Yes, he actually had a figure released by Mattel a few years ago. It's it's sort of rare, uh, but if you got any leads on either of those three, I would greatly appreciate it. But yeah, Travis joined me for a rare YouTube unboxing live and in person, so check that out. I will also be posting pretty soon here a another Steven box from Steven Zeman of the Collecting Dead Man podcast. He sent me another mystery box of figures. I have recorded that. Just got to edit it and throw that up on the YouTube coming soon. So uh, lots of extra content coming to the Talking Taker YouTube channel that you're not going to get here on the podcast feed. But like I said, be sure you are here November 1st for the complete history of the Undertaker's entrance music. Uh, but until then, enjoy this classic episode of Talking Taker covering a significant shift in the Undertaker's entrance music and a huge shift and moment in his character uh, on here on Talking Taker. Back from the dead, talking King of the Ring 2000. Enjoy it. See you November 1st and take her easy. Are you scared? He's here. I'm American badass. Watch me kick. You can roll with rock or you can radio. All right, creatures of the night. Welcome to episode 63 of Talking Taker, our encyclopedic exploration, digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time. My name is Alex Dorio. I am one of your co-hosts, and I am very excited to be joining you here today along with my co-host, my tag team partner, my wrestling buddy, my fellow creature, Mr. Travis White. Travis, we are trading out the time-traveling hearse for a time-traveling motorcycle. So it's yes. time now, man. I want you to hop in the sidecar with me and shout out the words, Ba with the ba, the bang, the bang, diggy, 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 said the boogie, said up, jump the boogie. <laughs> Ooh, <I'm there. laughs> 
<laughs> that was timely too. Oh yeah. <laughs> In the year two thousand. <laughs> I almost did that last week. I didn't know if people would get it. So. Oh, oh, man. So good. I didn't know if you would remember Yeah, man. That. Oh, dude. Man, Y2K has come and gone. Y2J is here to stay, though. Um, yeah, man. It's the year 2000 now here on Talking Taker. So welcome to the new millennium, ladies and gentlemen. It's a new era here. It truly is, folks. We are entering the biker taker era here by jumping ahead to King of the Ring 2000, you know, <laughs> serious jump. It's a huge jump from SummerSlam like 99. Yeah. And uh, I know there may be some new listeners out there. There may be some new creatures of the night joining us on this journey. So just want to, because you know, when we when we first started talking about this podcast that we've been doing, so many people out there tweeted at us and, and let us know that their favorite era of the Undertaker was this era, 2000 to 2003, the Biker Taker. The Big Evil, Dead Man Inc., whatever you want to call it. So many people have so much nostalgia about this era, which I know kind of caught me and you off guard. I didn't realize oh, yeah. it was such a popular era for him. It's probably not my favorite era, personally, in my head, although we're going to revisit a lot of it, see how it holds up, see if it's any better than we actually remember it. But if you are new out there listening to us, thank you for joining us. Our gimmick here is that we're going through every pay-per-view match of the Undertaker's career one match at a time to tell the story of his career then to also tell the story of the WWF, the WWE, to tell the story of professional wrestling in general in the 90s, in the 2000s, over the past 30 or so years because the Undertaker crossed so many different eras. So yeah, we're jumping ahead to King of the Ring 2000. That's his first match back over after this really long interval, but of course we're going to cover all the buildup to that as well. We're going to cover his return at Judgment Day 2000. We're going to cover what was going on in the interim there while he was gone. Maybe some rumors about what he might have been doing, what he did and didn't do, all, all this interesting stuff as we analyze this in our very unique way. So we are excited that you are joining us on this journey we do this podcast every single week. We put it out every single Friday. and We interact with you, our Creatures of the Night community, all throughout the week as well. So we hope that you'll follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's real easy. It's at Talking Taker. On all those different services, we post a lot of really fun stuff throughout the week. A lot of YouTube videos, a lot of pictures from old WWF magazines, behind-the-scenes pictures, all this sort of stuff that, that kind of tells the story of this build as well to kind of get you in the mood, uh, to get you excited for these matches. And we encourage you. I know a lot of you out there go along on this journey with us and watch these matches throughout the week, so we want you to be doing that as well. And we've had a blast doing it over 60, 62 episodes, and we're kicking off episode 63 here with a big six-man tag match. <laughs> yeah, this is our first six-man on uh, Talking Taker, I guess, on pay-per-view, right? I mean, we've had Survivor Series matches, we've had tag team matches, We've had Fatal Four Ways. We've had Triple Threats. This is our first six-man tag, I believe, we're covering here. So correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I stand, can stand by that statement. So I think um, it's a, a very impotent episode. <laughs> Super impotent. If you don't get that reference, go back. Listen to last week's. Last week's episode was a sleeper, okay? It wasn't recapping a particular pay-per-view match. We kind of put a bow on the career of the dead man, buried him, bur burrowed him, as the big show would say, <laughs> burrowed him down in the dirt, gave him a dirt nap. Go back and listen to that. A lot of good nuggets. Probably one of my favorite episodes we've ever done. It was off the rails and fun and uh, a lot of good stuff. So go back and check that out. 
now we're up to speed. We're going to catch you guys up from what happened when the Undertaker disappeared. It's a shame we didn't get Leslie Nielsen on the case like we did back in '94. So. Maybe that's what was. That's why he was gone so long. Who knew? Yeah. <laughs> so we last left off at September 1999 on a SmackDown episode as the Undertaker walked away from Vince McMahon, telling him he didn't want to compete in a casket match against Triple H, and telling Vince McMahon to just deal with it. And The Undertaker was neither seen nor heard from again until May of 2000 on WWF TV, with one exception that we mentioned last week. He did appear at a Puerto Rico IWA show, doing a tag team match there. But yeah, basically he was injured, and and we kind of cataloged a lot of these injuries over the course of this podcast. We really started to see them kind of pile up. I guess around the time of the Hell in a Cell match is when we really first started seeing him nurse a lot of these injuries, and kind of he was never really the same after that. It seemed like one thing after another. I think that No Mercy match, the triple threat with Triple H and Stone Cold Steve Austin, where he was just kind of falling apart there. Mm-hmm. seemed like a lot of stuff was going on. But yeah, he uses this time really to heal up these injuries and I guess freshen up this character a little bit. Yeah, and he's gone on record saying he was <clears throat> wasn't sure if he's was going to even retire during that that time he was off too, you know. But he didn't want to go out like that and leave on that note. So, and you and I mentioned too, like it. I forgot how he was almost a biker taker before he even left. Like it's just amazing because to me, I remember when he comes back. So we're going to talk about in just a second. Like remember it being like shocking to me that he's coming out, and he's riding a bike and you know, got the bandana on, but like, he literally looks exactly like he did, except when he left on SmackDown, except he was actually on a motorcycle, so, I don't know, I guess my mind is um, playing tricks on me, I don't know, but um, I do I do love that, those last couple months of his 1999, it was fantastic, and um, yeah, he's coming back again, so, uh, cool stuff, he's coming. Yeah, I do think that's an important point that you bring up there, is that this really is, this transition is a lot less jarring than I had remembered it as well. And I always assumed, I think the narrative is that the Undertaker dead man character had just gotten so stale over the years, and it was cartoony and cheesy and didn't fit into the Attitude Era, and this was more of a move to refresh his career by going in this new direction. And I mean, I do think that's partially true, but... I think the biggest thing here that I've realized going through all this stuff again is that the 1999 almost killed the Undertaker character off by making him yeah. so weak. <clears throat> Vince Russo putting him in this Ministry of Darkness storyline had it didn't really make him stale. It had just forced the Undertaker to the background, made him less of this towering, menacing character that he had been so long. And I felt like he was actually starting to come back into his own here with this team up with Big Show, getting to show his personality, mm-hmm. getting to be the uh, more menacing guy that he really is and that we see here, but it was just cut short. And I think we've we've talked about on here, like all this stuff that we're seeing here in 2000, it looked like we were already headed that way, whether yeah. he had taken this time off or not. Well, I think he went out, and while he was out, he was riding a bunch of punk cards so he can come back and cash them in. That must have been <laughs> it. people's feet, you know? <laughs> yeah. If you don't get that reference, go back to last week's Please episode. Do. Please do. Please do. <laughs> Shut your cake hole and go back to last week's episode. <laughs> uh, one thing I do want to mention here, 
it, to kind of put it to rest. I don't know if we can put it to rest because, you know, like we've said before, and, and if you're just joining us, Travis and I, we're just fans. We're lifelong fans. We've known each other for uh, about 20 years now and been wrestling has been a huge part of our friendship been a part of our lives since we were kids. So we're just, we're just recording the conversations that we'd be having in the first place about wrestling right. and hanging out with each other. So that's all we are. We don't have any backstage info or insider information, but you know, I, doing some we do do our research for this podcast and one thing i came across here in the wrestling observer and some other newsletters at the time is that there were some pretty major rumors during this period that undertaker might have been jumping to wcw that that's what this whole transition to the biker character was really based in and that that he was not going to be able to bring the dead man character over to wcw so he was going to transition into this more real life Mark Calloway character and he was going to be able to use that when he jumped over to WCW and I have read that in multiple places and tell me what you think about it man because I just don't buy it you know WCW in late 99 early 2000 they were already in a free fall dude that was Mm -hmm. WWE was already dominating them I just can't imagine somebody the caliber of the Undertaker a guy that has been WWE WWF back then for life that was their mainstay guy jumping to WCW in late 99 early 2000 I mean he really didn't even have any of his closest friends or allies over there at that time right all of his BSK buddies were well I guess the only ones maybe um Adams and Clark would have been there but that's about it mm-hmm. you yeah. know yeah. I mean everybody else was still in WWF or and he wasn't buddies with you know yeah, any of those guys like on the top, like Sting, Hogan, Nash, you know. Yeah, those all. weren't his guys. No, they weren't at all. So I don't. I've never believed that man. I really haven't. He's always been the WWF stalwart, and Sting has been the WCW one man. They they were the, you know, they were the cornerstones of their companies. You know, they never hop back and forth. You know, so uh, yeah, I don't buy that at all. I never. I really never have, man. And um, yeah, I mean Russo was well. Russo was he? So he left in '99 in October. But then he got canned in like January, but then he came back in April of 2000. And so he's actually back at WCW at this point, as we're going to cover in like June and July, or May and June, July. But uh, he's still not there for very long. I think he lasts until like September or something, and he's gone again So for good. So, I mean, Russo could have done something with him, I guess, but the only person he would have had in his, you know, on his side there. So. Yeah. Well, know. I'm glad you brought that up too. Vince Russo... That's one of the biggest changes uh, as we're jumping ahead in time now is that Vince Russo, the creative force behind so much of the Attitude Era, the early Attitude Era, 97 through 99 stuff, is gone from the WWF. We mentioned that a little bit on the last episode. He's gone over to WCW. And look, man, I want to give Vince Russo his due. He was responsible for some of our favorite stuff that we talked about on this podcast behind a lot of the stuff in 1997. And we have praised him for that. Uh, actually a huge fan of his of his new podcast, The Truth with Qu- Consequences, that he's doing with Matt Coon. Uh, you turned me on to it. It's a really cool uh, in-depth look at his stuff, and he's being more honest about stuff than he's ever been. I really enjoy it. But as far as this era, I just got to say thank God <laughs> that mm, yeah. he's gone. Man, good riddance to him being gone because the Ministry of Darkness stuff – was like I just said, some of the worst stuff that the Undertaker went through. It almost oh. completely ruined his character, 
almost did irreparable damage to his character. And this is just my opinion, you know. Uh, I just wanted to say that, that <laughs> good riddance, man. <laughs> I'm ready for him to be gone and to move on to a new era here. Oh, yeah. And, you know, like, like we said, you know, countless times, hopefully he was headed to this direction anyway, Taker, that is. Um, seemed like it. So who knows what Russo would have done with this version of the Dunner Taker? I don't know. But, yeah, I'm so glad that Ministry Taker is gone. I mean, I can't praise that enough. I just – that was like a chore to get through these those weeks oh, <laughs> to man. watch. And, um, I'm excited to have fun. <laughs> and uh, We always have fun on the show, but I'm excited to have fun watching this stuff now and uh, not have to labor through it. So – Good times. Good times are coming. And that's not the only change that's happened. Travis, why don't you tell us about some of the other things that have gone on? Why don't you get our listeners up to speed on some of the major differences between where we last left off and where we are jumping into right now? Yeah, so for just those of you, you know, keeping score at home, um, I just, in my notes, I just wrote that, you know, the WWF as a whole has changed a lot since Taker's been gone. So you got Steve Austin, the top guy of the company. Um, he's out with an injury since he got quote unquote run over by a car. That was back at what Survivor Series '99. That's right. I think it was, and uh, yeah. So he's out with a car. Uh, that talk about a uh, storyline that fizzled out hard. Um, <laughs> but you know, seriously, Austin's gone, and uh, I yeah. love the year two two thousand. It's one of my favorite years of wrestling. Um, and unfortunately, he's not in it for most of it, which is weird because it's it's still one of my favorites. But anyway, so he's gone. Um, like I mentioned earlier, Y2J is still here. Y2K came and went. Y2J is more of an upper mid-carder than he was back when he interrupted Taker and got his butt handed to him backstage last year. Um, he actually held the world title for a couple minutes back in April of 2000. Um, <laughs> that was an that awesome night. moment. Yeah. So vividly. Yeah, One I remember of my you favorites. and I talking on the phone that day. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, Kurt Angle has debuted this blue chipper, um, picked up the business faster than anybody else uh, ever, basically, which all the – all the guy, all the Hall of Famer guys say that. So he's there. His stock is on the rise. The Radicals have come in from WCW, jumping ship to the WWF. You got an Eddie and Benoit kind of position for big things. You know, Malenko and Saturn kind of fall, slip down the card. But you know, at first they were came in main eventers. But um, and then you got Taz who debuted and he was destined for big things. And then he's gone on record saying that he knew his. His rise was over immediately when his music hit, and he got that pop at Royal Rumble. <laughs> he said he just told himself, "That's it, I'm done." And he because the pop was that big, but it wasn't something Vince created, so he knew Vince was going to slide him down the card. And wow. it's amazing, which is true. So wow. he said that on multiple occasions. So um, and then oh, good old uh, one of the backbones of Undertaker's you know story that we've been telling here, Mankind McFoley. He is retired. And I, I put that in air quotations. He's retired. <laughs> we'll see him again. But, you know, big part of the Undertaker story from 96 to, to 99. And um, he's come and gone. And he's put over Triple H to try to make him the top heel in the company. So that's a lot of change in the last, you know, you don't want to realize how fast that's changed. But the main event scene looks different than when Taker left, you know, a little bit. Or the upper mid card scene definitely looks different. So it does. For a good thing in a, in a good way. Yeah, but it just reiterates a lot of the what we talk about on this show and why we're doing this show is that the Undertaker is, you know, and he's been gone for a few months, but he's coming back. He is the constant through all the different changes of all these different eras, and he is going to be the one that's going to, you know, like we said, mankind is gone. Stone Cold is basically done. You know, he's going right. to have, you know, two thousand one is going to be a strong year for him, and but that's 
that's honestly just about it. And we're going to cover him a few more times on this show, but he's nearing the sure. end. And Undertaker is still going to this day, 18 years later. Man, that is <laughs> yeah. wild. Uh, two other things I wanted to mention along with that. Uh, Storyline-wise, is that the WWF title, since we last, last left off, has gone from Triple H, who won it at Unforgiven 1999, to The Big Show, back to Triple H, and then to The Rock now. So that's where the WWF title is sitting as we pick up here. And of course, the big storyline happening going on is that Triple H and Stephanie McMahon have gotten married in a shotgun wedding where Triple H drugged and did things to Stephanie McMahon, but <laughs> apparently that was all part of the plan somehow. Good Lord, that whole storyline is ridiculous when you really think about it. Uh, and then it becomes real life. Uh, but yeah. they have taken over basically as the power couple and figures in the WWF. And somehow at this point, you know, we didn't watch all of the Raws and SmackDowns going into this because that would have taken forever. But uh, it, basically they have joined back again with vince and have created this mcmahon helmsley faction regime fact regime as edge and christian <laughs> yeah. like to call it uh, <laughs> yeah. along with uh road dog x-pac tory yeah they're this big monster powerful force that is dominating the wwf at this point once again you got this heel stable on top yeah you even have these ancillary characters that are all kind of have their you know their roots in the corporation, like yeah. Bossman and Te and and Bossman and Bobby Cannon. You got Tess and Albert, you know, kind of there too. Edge and Christian kind of help along a little bit. It's weird. Anybody that's a heel, uh, Chris Benoit come, becomes partly involved with them. It's just yeah, it's if you're a big name heel, they're gonna they're gonna help you or have you help them out. So, but you know that's kind of like the story. That's kind of where let's set the table here and let's move some, some checkers and chess pieces around and let's get to this get the story rolling here. So Judgment Day 2000, this is where we've got the main event of Triple H versus The Rock in an Iron Man match for the WWF Championship with Shawn Michaels as the special guest referee in the absolute worst referee outfit of all time, <laughs> tank top. It looks like he's just wearing pajamas, man. He's just got a long shirt on. You can't see his shorts. It's so embarrassing, man. More, more embarrassing than whatever he looks like now is this right here. And I love Shawn Michaels so much. <laughs> but this stuff is, is embarrassing. Look back on it. And I... <laughs> okay, so... My memory tells me that during this time there were vignettes airing on Raw and SmackDown with these creepy little schoolgirls telling nursery rhymes, saying he's coming, his judgment day is coming. Do you remember that too? Yes, I do. Okay. I'm glad I'm not going out of my mind because I cannot find any evidence of this online, dude. I can't find it on YouTube. I can't find it on Daily Motion, and I certainly can't find it anywhere on the WWE Network. Am I? I thought this was like Mandela effect, like <laughs> misremembering something. I was going crazy doing my research for this because it it's like erased from history. Uh, I remember that specifically, unless unless it is a Mandela effect thing. Did it just happen at Judgment Day? I thought it happened I on Raw. I swear and it happened. Stuff. Now I did see. I was reading people's recaps, and it does. I found some where they say those videos were on there, 
But dude, I can't find the videos. And maybe our listeners out there can Google things better than I can, but I can't find the old videos with this on there. But that's what was building up towards the Undertaker's big reveal, although they weren't saying what they were all for. They were very mysterious, very creepy. Yeah, they they were. They were really weird. They were like the girls from The Shining almost. They were just creepy. Red rum, red rum. Uh, But uh, it was just, you know, I specifically remember those on Raw and SmackDown. But yeah, I couldn't. I didn't see him. I went back and looked over a few notes from some episodes uh, building up to Judgment Day, and I, I didn't remember reading those re- in those recaps either. So right. y'all let us know <laughs> if you remember that or not, man, because all of a sudden it hits here at Judgment Day near the end of this match, and it's like, I mean, I specifically remember seeing that before, but I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. So It doesn't, and, and that's going to be one of the big things we talk about on this episode, our edits on the WWE Network, uh, and that's the first of them right there. So... Yeah, this match is going. It's if you never watched this Iron Man match, definitely check it out. It's it's a heck of a match here. Maybe you could argue maybe even better than Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. Man, it's it's a very different style Iron Man oh, match. I don't know, I man. It, it's it's pretty wholeheartedly good. disagree. Okay, all right. All right. <laughs> That's ha- my favorite Iron Man match. We had our disagreements last week, and we're gonna talk about that later and then as I love, well i love brock and angles iron man match too for smackdown that, is, that one was great that is great that's that's my second favorite one okay all right uh it is all tied up with about two minutes left triple h and rock when here we go the interference starts going crazy here dx jumps in the mcmahon's jump in everybody's interfering as the clock is ticking down and then these creepy nursery rhyme girls appear on the Titan Tron, <laughs> the ones that we talked about. This video starts playing. They're in some warehouse, and they recite this poem. As I lay me down to sleep, I pray my soul is mine to keep. And never step outside this bed, never, into all the evil, now back from the dead. And then we get these immortal words from the bard himself, Kid Rock. Are you scared? <laughs> No one's ever called him a bard. That's great. Oh, the maestro. Kid Rock, yeah. All the famer. Are you scared? Oh, absolutely. WWF, WWE Hall of Famer, man. Kid Rock. Um, and then Taker comes out riding down on a motorcycle looking exactly like he did when he left the SmackDown. He's got a bandana, sunglasses, gray shirt, jeans, boots, long black trench coat. Got an earring in his left ear. His hair's not dyed, though. It's it's the natural red color. Yeah. Booger red, as JR will go on to call him. That's the big um, difference in the look here. And he's got yeah. the beard grown out instead of just yeah. that little chin goatee that he's been having. Crowd is freaking out. Like I, I went and watched the one on Daily Motion so I could see the actual reactions. Because yeah. when you watch it on the network, it's like, oh man, these edits suck, man. It's just terrible. So, um, yeah, he comes out and uh, gets involved, and uh, the crowd com- goes nuts. Oh yeah, yeah, they erupt. They absolutely do. And Jr. is like, yeah, he's coming for Vince. He's coming for Vince, and um, which is a cool little piece of continuity there, you know, because he left and on SmackDown. But Taker comes in, takes it to X-Pac, Road Dog, Hunter, Chokeslams Shane, punches Vince, Chokeslams X-Pac, 
goes to Chokeslam Stephanie even, and the crowd just erupts at that. You know, they're excited to see her get her comeuppance. And Hunter stops him. He eats a Chokeslam, and then he hits a tombstone on Hunter as Shawn Michaels kind of waves him off. And I guess time expires. At the same time, there was supposedly a DQ, I guess, because he got involved. How is it a DQ if he got involved because the other guys got involved too? So I don't really know. They were trying to – it was confusing on commentary. I think someone was mistimed there. I think Triple H – I think Shawn Michaels got knocked out, I guess, when DX and the McMahons were interfering, I think is what happened. So Okay. uh, uh, Shawn Michaels has woken up at this point, and he tries to warn Undertaker before he hits that tombstone on uh, Triple H um, and – or chokeslam on Triple H or whatever – and he does. He he disqualifies The Rock right as the time is expiring, so that gives Triple H the title due to Undertaker's interference. And the JR and King are arguing over what the actual finish was, if time ran out, or if he was disqualified, what was going on for all this. But the crowd is absolutely unglued to see Undertaker back yeah. in, in this fashion, dude. We've joked on this podcast before. You know, what are the top two rules that we have for someone being over? Number one. What's number one? Come out and come out on a motorcycle. Come out on a motorcycle. What's number two? <laughs> yeah. Hit your finisher on everybody. Hit your in sight. Everybody in sight. Bingo, <laughs> man. Done and done. <laughs> Check both those boxes. Done both yeah. of those. Immediately the most over he's been in years. <laughs> now, what if he came out of a box? <laughs> oh, God. you People would have been passing out in the seats, man. <laughs> if he rode out of a box on a motorcycle <laughs> and hit all his finishers on people. <laughs> And just give him the title. So, yeah, man. But no, seriously though, yeah, he's he gets the, the top two rules, man, on a bike and nailing your finish on everybody. So, double check mark that he's over more over than he was when he was tagging with Big Show. So, as he limped out into the wilderness, into the desert on at the old Union eighty one or whatever the heck it's called <laughs> back in Death Valley. So, but um, there you have it, folks. After eight months, he's uh. He's he's back, and I remember specifically going online after church this night and reading, you know, the the play by play on a golly, I don't even remember what website it was back then, but anyway, just seeing it, and I, I just remember picturing it in my mind, like he was riding out on a motorcycle, because you don't, we didn't have gifs or gifs or memes or video clips or YouTube back then, you know, this was 2000, and um, I just remember I was very excited to see him back and very intrigued, and just like man, he's on a motorcycle and he's got a trench coat and he just Throwing haymakers left and right. I was just very, I was excited for Raw the next night. Very excited to see what this iteration of Undertaker was going to be like. Absolutely, it is a, it is a big reinvention. I know we talked about it. It was a gradual thing, and we were definitely seeing the pieces of it. But it's still a big deal. It's still a big change, and that's one thing I uh, wanted to say here. I looked up a little bit of the "This Is My Yard" DVD that WWF put out. I think in 2001 or 2002 uh, i'm not sure when exactly but it was the first dvd uh, one of one of their very earliest uh dvd profiles they ever put out about anybody back in the day and it's got i don't know if there's enough meat on there for us to do a whole episode on that like we did with the coliseum videos because it's it's mainly yeah. clips there's not a lot of original extra stuff on there but there's some cool no johnny interviews. polo no johnny polo commentary there <laughs> but um that's uh, Chris Jericho is one of the talking heads on there, and he 
praises Undertaker during talking about this comeback, uh, calls Undertaker actually the Madonna of the WWF because of him constantly hmm. changing his look and his character, which is a funny comparison, but if you look back, it's kind of true. As we've covered along all these episodes, he has been constantly changing his look up every time he comes back, you know, even back to the purple gloves. Man, mm-hmm. his first time he was gone, he came back with a little bit different look. Then he went away uh, for a little while and came back with the little bat taker look at Survivor yep. Series 96. Um, and he has constantly been evolving. When he became evil and the Lord of Darkness, he changed his attire, he changed his hair, changed his goatee. He was always reinventing himself. And that's something that, funny enough, we've seen Chris Jericho do as well. That's his specialty. Well, I was going to say it's funny that Jericho called in the Madonna because that's what Jericho calls himself. He calls himself the Madonna of WWE because he he knows that's what he does every time he comes back. And if you look at his, his stuff in New Japan now, even he's done that too. He's he's looking like you know somebody out of Clockwork Orange or whatever now over there. Like you know, I think he has a match right after he gets off his boat, his cruise. He has a match like two days later in Japan. So anyway, you know, he's the Madonna of WWF now. But um, yeah, I never really, uh, I never, I've never seen this DVD. So it's interesting that he 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 you know coins that for for Taker because it is absolutely true. That's one of the cool things we've been covering this whole time and just seeing this evolution of this of this character. I was watching briefly. Um, we'll probably touch on it more when we get to WrestleMania 2002, WrestleMania 8, uh, X8, um, if you will. It was uh, off the record um, with um, that tool from uh, Canada, yeah, yeah. whatever that guy's name is. I can't stand that guy, but uh, it was it was Mark Calloway being interviewed. So he talks about how he had to evolve and change his look up to become this character too. So which is kind of neat. So I'll save that. I'll put it in the, the piggy bank and I'll break that open in a couple months here as so we get to X8. So anyway. Yeah, he talks as well on this DVD a little bit. I don't know if, how much of this is kayfabe or real or not, but he, right. he's saying Undertaker is saying that he nearly retired at the end of '99, as you mentioned earlier. He contemplated it due to his injuries mounting up, but Taker says he took a long bike ride to clear his head and decided that he didn't want to go out that way. He wanted to come back and try to be the top guy again. So I don't know if that's really what inspired him to to make this change, or if that's just trying to feed into this character but that's what he says brought about this change in demeanor change in look change in attitude and yeah that's what we're gonna go with here <laughs> well he may have run out of gas halfway through the desert and had to eat a snake and skin him alive like the big show had to <laughs> man they had to realize he needed some more money for for gas so he needed to come back <laughs> what and uh, big show had to put on a a snake as a bow tie or <laughs> ne- necktie <laughs> yeah. Lizard, little lizard necktie and snake boots, oh, I think man. it was, or something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a great outfit, but you know what would be an even better outfit? What's that? That'd be one of our new Talking Taker t-shirts, which are available Ooh. now over at tpublic.com. If you search for Talking Taker, we've got some brand new t-shirts over there. We know that so many of you guys are the Biker Taker fans out there. So we've got, if you are a Biker Taker guy... Or a biker taker girl. We want you to be able to show that. So sort of like the old Paul Heyman guy shirt, but it says, I'm a biker taker guy. You can let everybody there know out there, that's your guy. You're the biker taker guy. Those are available at tpublic.com, along with our original Taker Easy t-shirt. And the great thing about tpublic is you can get it on literally anything. Tank top, sweater, <laughs> mug, mouse pad, baby onesie. Might be perfect for yep. you, Travis, here coming up soon. 
Oh yeah, it might be. <laughs> Just might see if one comes my way. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> so we would love for you to pick those up. A little bit of that goes back into our coffins, if you will, to support the show. So uh, I think it's coffers, but I just said coffins. So that's fine. That's fine. That's the little thing you can do to help support us. But yeah, let's keep the wheels going here as we continue this build to the night after Judgment Day to Raw, May twenty second in the year two thousand. Right. Uh, I can't hear the year 2000 without thinking of Conan O'Brien, man. So, um, oh, and just to peel back the curtain real quick, we're going to let you guys in. Um, because there's so much stuff happening, we got SmackDown and Raw. We kind of cut it in half this time, and Alex is covering the Raws, and I'm covering SmackDown. So not because we're lazy, but just because we thought we could kind of focus on that and just make that uh, you know, easier than bo- us both having to watch everything and come up with the same exact stuff. So... We're splitting up a little bit, so I'll be hearing some new stuff for the first time. He'll be hearing some stuff for the first time, and um, tell, let us know how you feel about that. We'll, you know, and uh, we'll see if we can continue this because it's a lot of content coming our way nowadays. It so. is, and one of my things about this is that we talked a little bit back in when we covered '97 and '98, really, that it felt like there was so much stuff going on that they were trying to cram eight weeks worth of story into four weeks worth of TV. And with this stuff here, these, I believe it's five weeks worth of build to King of the Ring. It feels like they've got five weeks worth of story and they're trying to stretch it over 10 or 12 episodes of TV here. It is really stretched thin. This story There's going to be a lot of just filler and all this stuff. So we're going to try to hit you with the highlights and all the important stuff. If we, skip over some of the details it's because man it really didn't end up mattering in the long run yeah but uh the show starts off here uh night after judgment day Vincent man is gloating he's got his corporate champion yet again triple h has got the title and he says that the rock is going to have to face road dog x-puck shame mcmahon and triple h in a four-on-one handicap match tonight because he can do whatever he wants and as far as the undertaker is concerned Vince actually brings up the continuity from all the way back in September of 99 and says that The Undertaker walked out on his contract all those months ago, so The Undertaker is not legally under contract as a superstar, and if he shows up again tonight, he's going to have these uh, U.S. Marshals arrest The Undertaker and escort him away tonight. So, man, I appreciate that so much. Oh, I actually remember that. Yeah, me too. It wasn't just like he came back and it was all forgotten. So I do. I love that. I'm glad they paid attention to that detail, so. The thread throughout the show is that The Rock is going to be sneaking around backstage and beating up all those different people they're supposed to face in this handicap match. You see him (laughs) hiding in the shadows, uh, attacking all these different people. He takes them all out, and eventually in the main event slot is The Rock cutting a promo. And they're basically going to recycle what happened at the pay-per-view last night for everyone who didn't order it, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, he cuts Rock cuts promo saying he's actually not real happy with The Undertaker because uh, even though he did the right thing last night, it was at the wrong time, and it cost him the championship. Triple H comes out. They have an intense promo battle here, uh, have a big stare down, and getting a huge fight at the end of the show. And like I said, all the corporation, faction, regime, they all come out. X-Pac, Road Dogg, Shaman Man, Tory, not Tory Wilson, the other Tory. Uh, Vince McMahon, Gerald Briscoe, <laughs> Stephanie McMahon, they're all coming out trying to beat up The Rock. Um, 
Vincent Mann stumbles and bumbles and trips and <laughs> he botches a rock bottom Dude. and gets picked up, put in it again. And they finally get the rock down and we get the nursery rhyme video starting up here. And here's where it get, really gets ugly, man. You can't see it as much on Judgment Day, but here on this first episode of Raw, the Kid Rock American Badass song is completely edited out. And instead we get the, you're gonna pay, you're gonna pay. The <laughs> You're gonna now, you're gonna make a big mistake. And you edited out Kid Rock's song. That's what you did. That's the big mistake you made. <laughs> It's terrible. Oh, it's brutal. And not only that, that means that the crowd noise is edited out. Yes. A lot of the commentary is edited out or muted down really low where it's all mumbled and jumbled or you can barely hear what JR and King are saying. And it, God, it completely takes the effect out of this whole entrance, this whole scenario. That is so much... I mean, we all know how important entrances are to wrestling Mm -hmm. and how important music is. And when you change it... And you take away, look, I never thought I'd be pining for the music of Kid Rock <laughs> before this moment. Oh, I but... told you a long time ago. One day, you're going to wish you had. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but come on, a... dude. Why not pay for the rights for this song? It's like, especially nowadays, they're getting all this money from Saudi Arabia and Australia mm. and wherever. Like, just pay Stocks Kid up Rock. like a thousand percent. Yeah. What do you need to do? He's in the Hall of Fame too. I mean, I don't. Yeah, I don't get it, man. It definitely takes away. It's like it's like um the Highway to Hell, man. Back at SummerSlam '98, yeah. yeah. really, really, uh, I don't know, important part of the entrance and the story and everything because the commentary refers to him as that, you know, American um, BA, and 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 it doesn't make sense if you're if you're just watching this for the first time, you're like, what? Why are they calling that? Yeah, well, does, that you know, make, doesn't make any sense. No. So, yeah, it, it's like it if sucks. you're watching Star Wars and you got a copy of Star Wars on DVD, and Darth Vader every time he comes out, you don't hear that, you know, classic. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, you don't hear the Imperial March. You hear you something just, else. You hear like a MIDI version of it, like eight <laughs> yeah. bit version of it in there. Like what? That's not how I yeah. remember it. Uh, and <sighs> it, it's, ugh, I, I can't imagine what people. Like, are there people growing up now who are rewatching this sort of stuff and don't realize that that's not actually the song on there? Is that ruining it for them? I don't know, man. It's it's lost to time. I hate it. Yeah. If any of you listeners have kids or going back and watch this stuff, <laughs> let us know seriously. Like, yeah. cause I I'd I'd love to know what it's like to watch this for the first time and not have the context for it. You know. Um, yeah, dude. But yeah, it's it's man. That song plays unfortunately, and. Uh, like you said, the commentary is kind of edited, and the, the crowd pops are edited. And um, but I guess what what happens after he makes his way out? Well, he does. Yeah, we could harp on that all night. But uh, what happens is Undertaker rolls out on the bike, and one by one, he takes out all the corporate goons. Uh, he leaves his bike <laughs> up at the top of the ramp, and then decides he's going to try to run over Vince McMahon, and he does so. At, about three miles per hour, just slowly goes Ooh, after go. Vince, and Vince jumps out of the way. <laughs> uh, Taker kind of takes a lap around the ring, chases Shane McMahon up the ramp on the bike, and that leaves Triple H and Rock in the ring still fighting. Uh, and Rock gives Triple H a pedigram, a pedigram, <laughs> <laughs> gives him a pedigree. Uh, <laughs> 
but Rock uh, fights out of it. Rock gives Triple H a rock bottom through a table to end the show. So that's the main story here. We got two huge stars fighting it out, trying, trying to be the top guy. Uh, Undertaker kind of watching in the background, looking to pick his spot, and he's going to stick his nose into all this business here as we head into SmackDown. So if you put Triple H memes of pedigrees on Instagram, are they called pedigrams? That's the pedigrams, yeah. <laughs> okay. Or is that going to be like a new WWE tout thing? We got pedigrams. It's instantly. It's all Triple H all the time. It's just all pedigrees all the yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah, that brings us to SmackDown 40 on May 25th, 2000. And this opens with the cops are already in the ring. We got Vince, Shane, and Joe Briscoe. Where, where's Pat Patterson? Did he disappear on Monday or something? Was he there? Oh. <laughs> no, but we're going to see plenty of Pat Patterson here. Oh, yes, we are. <laughs> um, but uh, so Vince basically reiterates, you know, if he shows up, Taker shows up, he's going to be arrested for trespassing because, again, he's not under contract. And just then Taker rides by. Uh, this is in the back again. Rides by on his motorcycle and basically tries to run Vince over repeatedly. Um, and he, he basically scares him and the goons kind of up a set of stairs or up and up a ladder. And, um, yeah, that's just kind of they, – they avoid the Undertaker and um, – that's kind of how the show kind of does a cold open here. And then we get something, a new introduction for something wonderful about our lovely friend, our investigative journalist, Michael Cole. And uh, I, you did actually watch this episode of SmackDown, so I'll let you take this away. <laughs> Are you talking about the uh, highlights in his hair? <laughs> He's got yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Reminded me of you. Exactly. Reminded <laughs> <laughs> me of me. I tried that as well. It was 2000. Everybody was doing it. That's so. right. Yeah. It was awful on him <laughs> and on me. So, luckily, I wasn't on national television, though. <laughs> Good point. Good point. <laughs> yeah. I didn't look like as big a tool as he did to millions and millions of The Rock's fans. So, um, anyway, after Speaking that, of national television, through. have you watched uh, House on Haunted Hill yet? Haunting of Hill House, I mean, on Netflix? No, I have not. Oh, man. Check it out. You might see somebody you know on there. Really? Yeah. Back of my head's in episode number nine. You're in number nine? Oh, all right. Excellent. <laughs> Is that the one you're filming with Batista? Or, uh, no? no, that's uh, Stuber. That comes out oh. next year. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to that. I'll look for the back of your head in, in number nine. Yeah, check so. it out, Creatures of the Night. I'm, uh, Absolutely. <laughs> Let me know if you spot me on there. <laughs> oh, I definitely will. I'll go straight to number nine. So I don't got time for new shows. I'll go, yeah. to, I'll go to number nine and look for your back of your head. So. Just like uh, John Lennon. <sighs> number nine. <laughs> number oh, nine. I thought we were just dropping our favorite Beatle. <laughs> oh man um yeah so uh vince comes to the ring and he basically berates these rent cops for not doing their job backstage you know blames them and and then he says they want to make sure you guys have bullets in your guns and he calls out taker <laughs> Dang. Like, is he yeah he's like you got those guns loaded so i was just like whoa that's a little much and then taker's music hit but but again it's on the network so it's that Big mistake song, which is a big mistake. So he saunters out on the stage. He doesn't have his bike. So, and then um, I just want to—I have a little note here that it occurred to me that back in the fall he said the days of scary music and the days of or the days of the scary entrance and scary lights are over. And uh, he's right because this is not scary. I mean, it's intimidating, but it's not scary. You know, it's not ministry, creepy, dead man, scary. So. I got to give it to him there. Like I said, you can't put it over enough. He's got to be headed this way. He had to have been headed this way before he left. So anyway, he, he confronts Vince in the ring and Vince uh, tells him there's a price to pay because he thinks he you know lives by his own rules. And he says that he's happy because Taker single-handedly costs The Rock the WWF Championship. 
But how does it feel? Because let me remind you that you are not under contract. You walked out on me, and no one walks out on this man. Then he tells the officers to arrest him. And then Taker fires back with some great lines here. I love, I love this. I love this oh, version yeah, of Taker, this too. Is awesome. <laughs> yeah, he's like, Now check this out, boss. This is the way it goes down. Do you ever talk to your old lady anymore? Because if you did, you would know before Judgment Day started, she signed me to a fat contract. Look at that man is struck again, Kane. She, she re-signed the Undertaker. And that by fat, I mean lots of years, lots of zeros. He's like, so you get the pleasure of paying me lots of money to kick your stank ass. <laughs> But it, it just, I love this Undertaker, like man. Ghetto Taker. <laughs> yeah, he is, man. Like he's he's from like Texas, but he sounds like he's from like I don't know. Sounds like Harlem he's been hanging out with Kid Rock. Yeah, he does. I, he's from Detroit, so it's great, man. So, um, but what you Lim- just brought up right there, Linda McMahon interfering yeah. in this storyline—that's going to be the other major factor in all of this build up here it's that yeah. we're going to talk about is that the story of this match that we're going to get to at king of the ring is almost more about Vince McMahon versus linda mcmahon well it's always got to have a mcmahon in it especially always. this time this or time, two uh, or three or four. Oh yeah well yeah wrestlemania had all four of them didn't it so a mcmahon in every corner so um vince tells the cops to arrest Taker for attempted vehicular homicide, and as he does it, he like pokes one of the cops in the chest. And the cops like, "Well, I'll arrest him, but I got to arrest you for assaulting an officer." So <laughs> I guess poking with a finger. And so basically, the rent a cop and all his goons leave, and it's like, well, "I suggest you guys settle these problems in the ring or on your own." So Vince basically berates him as they leave, and he turns around to a choke slam or attempted choke slam. But of course, Shane comes back in and hits him. Hits Taker in the back with a chair, and Taker no-sells it because he's, you know, been gone for nine months, so he's got no-sell abilities. Um, totally. And uh, Shane scurries away from the ring, and Taker does that one-arm pose that he's now famous for. I don't, did he do that on Raw or not? We'll raise that one arm in the air like he does as Biker Taker? Because I noticed it here, but I, I obviously didn't watch Raw. So I didn't notice sure. it. He, does, he definitely does do it on some of the other ones. I don't, I'm yeah. not sure I noticed it on the first one. So here might be that. The you know beginnings of that he does that so. you know just single right. single arm you know uh, raise almost like the nation domination type thing you know just raise his hand up and um, yeah <laughs> the white savior <laughs> he's stolen it from Farouk sent, oh my god sent you a softball there oh no I was you'd get that. Yeah. oh no <laughs> cultural appropriation right, right here <laughs> oh my god <laughs> oh man so good so. Backstage, Vince sends Briscoe to keep his eye out for Rock and Taker. So that's a, a fail right there. Why would you send like 84 year old Joe Briscoe? So, uh, and later on, we see um, uh, then you know, Briscoe pacing around, waiting, and then he comes in and tells Vince like um, Vince and his vegetable tray. I just wanted to say because this this, this green room they're waiting. It's a beautiful looking vegetable tray on the table. I love it. It just never gets eaten the entire episode. But um, and hungry is uh, hungry. Excuse me, Hunter. <laughs> hungry. I guess I must be. So Hunter is angry about Rocky. He's like, what? What's he doing on the way here? Like, why is he coming? I'm like, he's coming to work. 
he works there. Why are you so mad that he's coming to work? So I don't know. Maybe he needed to eat some vegetables off that tray. So <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. We get Vince later on. We he goes out and the garage lifts up and he goes out to Rock's limo and basically tells Rock take the night off and basically spins a story around that like Taker is responsible for Rod not being champ and Rock gets back in the limo and is like, all right, come here for a second. And he just slaps Vince across the face, which is awesome. <laughs> I love that. And then we see Taker lurking in the shadows, and he follows Vince back into the arena. So, um, yeah, he's kind of getting creepy here, lurking in the shadows. Um, but uh, then I think that they're they're back in the uh, vegetable tray room, and, and uh, Vince has their – they're like, who's got a plan to get rid of Taker? And Hunter's like, I, I think we should find someone that can step up and take him on, like a giant killer which is Shane. They're calling Shane the giant killer now since he beat Big Show at Judgment Day. And they're trying to get this Simba name over, too. They start saying Simba all the time. That is so really strange. Yeah. I guess he's the young lion or something. I don't know. But I remember it like, you know, stupid 18 years ago. So Maybe um, Vince had just seen the Lion King at this point. Well, yeah. I mean, it's only been out for like eight years. So yeah. he's probably just getting around to seeing it. That's so. about right. He's like, oh, this movie's great. <laughs> You're like Simba. You're like the the heir to the throne. So <laughs> Hakuna <die>. Matata, pal. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so that brings us to the main event, Shane Rips Taker. And Shane, uh, it's funny to me because he talks about how he took out Big Show, and it's just how funny time works because he's taking out Show and going to face Taker, which is exactly where we left off when Taker left back in the fall. So anyway, um, Taker comes on for his first actual match back um since he returned and against um, shane mcmahon yeah man <laughs> talk, yeah and uh just looking like he came from the local 81 totally different look than 1990 when we opened this t- talking taker up and basically squashes him uh dx and interferes and he attacks them all and uh taker chokeslams hunter and then he's overwhelmed by the numbers the crowd starts chanting rocky and uh, of course rock left earlier but he comes back out and cleans house and he and Taker take on take out the regime and uh, Taker takes off on his bike up after them at the rock rock kind of poses on the turnbuckle to close the show out. So those are really overstuffed episode of SmackDown focusing on Taker, but he's jumping right back in the main event scene. So yeah, that was like a stuffed crust episode. That's what all I'd these say. feel like, man. Double stuff, <laughs> yeah. triple stuff. This next episode of Raw is very similar. May 29th, two thousand. The Undertaker and his fake music open up the show. Uh, dude, why not use the uh, song we played at the end of last week's podcast? The uh, Oh, man. <laughs> Dance with the that Taker song. song. had an identity crisis. It was like it was 70s, 80s, 90s. I loved it. It was that's so good. The, that's the yeah. perfect description for that song. It felt like yeah. it, all those generations. It really did. Oh, man. Um, like... The uh, we see something here that we're going to see a lot of when the Undertaker comes out. You'll see a little on the network. You'll see a blurred out image in the corner, which is supposed to be promoting Kid Rock's new album, History of Rock. But apparently, <sighs> we're not allowed to even say the name of the album or show a picture of it anymore. Right. It's really weird. This is the episode of Raw where Kid Rock actually performed performed Undertaker's theme song on here, but you wouldn't know it again by watching on the network as every reference to Kid Rock is completely edited off the show, including that entire performance. Uh, any appearances Dumb. of Kid Rock are all gone, although we do see a lot of Kid Rock's little 
buddy Josie on here. All his stuff is intact. So. Oh, man. <laughs> and uh, Josie. If you've never heard Bruce Pritchard uh, st- uh, tell the Josie story on his oh, podcast, uh, go find that. I don't, He's told on a few <laughs> different episodes. Uh, it's, yeah. I think he told on the hey, Rikishi hey, episode. Hey, buddy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the hey, Rock. buddy. The Rock thinking Josie was a Make-A-Wish kid backstage. It's oh, pretty classic. It's so, uh, it's funny. It's, it's so funny. Uh, so Undertaker comes out. He's immediately interrupted by the McMahon-Helmsley regime, uh, including X-Pac, who has decided to start dressing like Phineas Godwin. He's got <laughs> a pair of overalls on with a red T-shirt underneath it. Man, I thought it was. Tommy Hilfiger. I thought it was Midian. Coming out. <laughs> <sighs> No, Moody is going to be wearing a little bit less. Soon. Uh, very soon. You're <laughs> Just right. a fanny, fanny pack. <laughs> uh, Triple H cuts a promo being sarcastic, talking to Undertaker, saying, oh, thank you so much. Uh, you did me such a huge favor at Judgment Day. I just want to thank you for helping me out, even though I didn't really need it. Um, and Undertaker says, you don't need, you, what you really need to thank me for is not coming down there and kicking all your butts right now. Because I don't do anything for anybody except for myself, and that belt on your shoulder belongs to me. So Undertaker making his intentions clear, uh, but Triple H says, you know, things have changed a lot since you've been gone. I'm in charge now. Uh, of course, The Rock is going to come out and interrupt things, and we're really seeing these 20, 25-minute promos. Golly, uh, man! Yeah. It, <laughs> there's one coming Honor, up man. that just drags and drags. But yeah. um, Vince. Cuts the rock off as he's talking uh, and basically is going to uh, look at the situation here uh, and say he wants to get to the bottom of Undertaker and Rock's partnership. He's got an idea. If, since Rock and Undertaker are such great friends, they've got common enemies. They've got common goals going for the WWF title. They can have something else in common and face each other in the main event tonight. So that's going to be the main event of the show. Much like last week, we're going to see a lot of people getting attacked backstage. Uh, Road Dog gets randomly attacked. We don't see who attacks him. Vince and Stephanie are talking backstage with the vegetable tray again, I believe. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Oh, it's on Raw, too? It's on Raw, yeah. too. Yeah, it follows okay. them around. Uh, the leftovers. Fake trees in the vegetable tray. I love it. <laughs> Vince, uh, the lights go out, and Stephanie screams, and Vince wakes up, or the lights come on, and Vince is on the floor, so he's been attacked backstage. Uh, our investigative journalist, Michael Cole, interviews The Rock, and uh, Cole asks The Rock, says, are you looking forward to facing The Undertaker since he cost you the title at Judgment Day? Rock says he is looking forward to it, but not because of that. It's because he'll do anything in his power to get the WWF title once again. Uh, Kevin Kelly talks to Undertaker, and he asks him about uh, what's going on with these attacks, and Undertaker says, I don't know, uh, but I know it couldn't have happened to nicer people in the faction the regime uh taker says he's got no beef with the rock he actually even kind of likes his stuff which is a change of pace Hmm. from last year when we heard undertaker kind of ragging on him on commentary says this is just about the wbf title a man's got to do what a man's got to do so uh then we see pat patterson get attacked backstage he's off trying to get the next round of coffee for the faction he gets pulled into a dressing room, and dude, it sounds like gunshots are going off. <laughs> Pat Patterson gets attacked in the closet. <laughs> oh, man. It's brutal. It cops from SmackDown. It might have been. They had loaded guns. Uh, and, uh, oh, my. 
I didn't mention it earlier, but this is also the episode where Too Cool wins the tag team titles from Edge and Christian with a little help oh, yeah. from Joe C. Uh, and God, you would have thought Stone Cold just beat The Rock based on the crowd reaction to this match. I mean, these guys were O V E R over uh, in yeah, man. June of 2000. They were, man. It's crazy. Like, everybody in the mid card was still, man. It's just nuts. Yeah. Everybody had something yeah. going on. I mean, even though the matches don't show that on pay-per-view, on Raw and SmackDown, like, when they just got stuff happening, it's just a lot of people were still over, man. It's great. Great to see that. And they went with it, you know? They put the straps on them yeah. for a few weeks because they were hot. And that's a great thing to do. That's what you should be doing. So, Sometimes okay to change plans because Mike gets over. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Like, it's okay. So. The Undertaker ends up walking to the ring for the main event. Doesn't come out on his bike, which is kind of random. The exercise. I guess. Um, <laughs> really missed opportunity. I don't know why Kid Rock did not perform his song for yeah. his entrance. He just performed it without any interaction from the Undertaker. It's really strange. Um, the Rock comes out. Before they can even lock up, Mr. McMahon saunters out, says, before these two beat the heck out of each other, he demands an answer to know who's been attra- attacking all of his people all night. And The Rock points a finger at Undertaker. Undertaker <laughs> denies it. And the crowd wants it to be Austin. They start chanting, Austin, yeah. Austin, Austin. But Vince says, well, you, you're both obviously lying. So I'm going to punish you. And this match is now going to be a lumberjack match. So Vince calls out all of the regime. Like you said, TNA also, Bull Buchanan, Big Boss Man, all these different mid-card heels as the Lumberjacks. And Taker and Rock, they stare each other down. They turn around and look at the Lumberjacks, and they decide to go after them. And it gets a huge reaction to the crowd as they beat up all these heels. Bull Buchanan eats a rock bottom. Big Boss Man gets a choke slam. Everybody gets knocked down. Even Pat Patterson takes another massive choke slam i love seeing him take bumps he's 60 years old uh finally triple h gets a low blow on the rock and uh, you know 20 heels are able to take down these two baby faces (laughs) but it's not for long as all of a sudden flames go off on the stage and kane returns who's been out with an injury for a few weeks Uh, i didn't even realize he was gone but he'd been missing for a few weeks at this time and he comes out, takes out everybody one by one, including his former best friend, X-Pot Godwin. <laughs> Henry Phineas from X-Pot Godwin. <laughs> He's the lost cousin. Uh, <laughs> Triple H eats a giant choke slam, and Kane grabs the WWF title for himself, holds it over his head as Undertaker and The Rock stare at him in the middle of the ring. And now we've got three guys gunning for Triple H's title. I didn't remember... Came being gone either, but I guess he was. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'll t- tell you what, though, man, like as laborious as some of this build is <clears throat> and repetitive, it is neat that they're making the title like the important thing on the show. Yeah. You know, like um, the personal things are there too, but like it's all revolves around the title, which is kind of neat to see. Um, I remember seeing, I remember talking about back in 1997 with Austin and Bret Hart and the Fatal Four Ways stuff like that was you know all that was all about the title. Nobody, everybody would do whatever they had to do to get the title, you know. And it's kind of neat to see that again here. So, um, we'll tell you what, Kane took that title and he didn't just stand on, with it in Raw and give it back. He brought it to SmackDown, SmackDown 41 on June 1st. Um, get this thrilling match. Jeff Hardy's about to pin Sky Too Hottie. 
and then Kane's music <laughs> hits, and he comes out carrying the title with him. So, um, you know, he chokeslams both of them. Again, doesn't care. They're they're both good guys, Jeff and Sky Duhati, and Kane is too. He chokeslams both of them, and he grabs a mic, and he's like, Triple H, if you want your WWF Championship belt back, why don't you come out and take it? And at this point, King and Cole are like, he's talking, he's talking. They're like mesmerized. Like, he's like, (laughs) yes. Like, do you not remember the heartfelt moment when X-Pac, like, threw his little gimmick away? And we all shed tears because it was so heartfelt and amazing. And, like, where have you been? Like, he can talk now. I don't know. It was just kind of, like, upsetting to see them not follow along with that. But um, so Hunter and Steph come out, and Hunter starts to talk, but he gets drowned out by some already chants from the audience toward himself and his mistress here. She's getting called a four-letter word as well. Um, starts with an S. And, oh, yeah. Uh, I, th- I think we can att- uh, credit that to Chris Jericho, right? That, didn't he begin that? I think so, back in the sp- yeah. Back in the springtime? So, yeah. Um, and then this is just, man, this is like reading. Like, it's like listening to somebody recite Beowulf or something. Man. It is the longest, like, promo i've ever heard it's so long but basically hunter says if kane beats him tonight in a non-title match he'll face him at king of the ring for the title so then kane gives the title to a ref and says here's you know hands it triple h and that's your main event for the night okay well then we see vince arriving in a limo and again backstage taker's about to run him over with his bike and he circles the limo and he's revving his engine and intimidating him and vince is like what do you want basically he's getting frustrated like a little baby and Taker's like, well, I want my WWF title shot, you know? And Vince's like, all right, you could have it at King of the Ring, but you got to be X-Pac and Road Dogg in a handicap match tonight. So Taker revs his engine, rolls away. So we've got two matches tonight where if the winner wins, they get a shot at King of the Ring. Uh-oh. Yep, uh-oh. And then we see some blow-up between Hunter and Vince backstage because they're both angry because Triple H's like, what are you doing? Like, I just made a match for a night. And Vince is like, well... You know, sorry, I didn't see it. I just got here late. So anyway, and then immediately we cut to another backstage segment. We see Shane, who hitch a ride with Edge and Christian because his car broke down, apparently, <laughs> which I would love to see a uh, ride along. Oh, yeah. Those three guys. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that would have been great. Um, speaking of, let me just take a little aside. Could you imagine some of the Azure Air guys on a ride along episode? Oh, my God. How different it would be from the ones that are on there now? Anyway, uh, just going back. Well, so anyway, drinking Shane, and driving on those episodes. He, oh, yeah. Shane hits his <laughs> ride with E and C, and uh, basically he tells them, you know, if you guys can defeat The Rock tonight, um, I'll give you the number one contender for the WWF Tag Team titles. And it, I think he forgot a line because I rewound it, but basically what he meant to say was that if Rock wins, he gets a shot at King of the Ring as well. So they bring it up later, but I don't think he said it, but – he finally gets back in the vegetable tray room, and they they just give him the silent treatment. It's really funny, actually, because they they're watching on the monitor. And they just no one talks. He's like, "Did I say something?" And so <laughs> it was actually pretty funny. Now, and I will say, I do appreciate this. So, like, it is it. I don't know, man. It, it, they tell a good story there. I will say, you know, it's an overstuffed episode, but it's really cool to see the, each guy coming in later and making that match and building toward King of the Rings. So I'll give him props for that. I think it's a really funny, creative storyline. Yeah. yeah. I definitely remember it. And, you know, it's, yeah, it playing into the power dynamics. We talked right. about on here. We don't know who exactly is in control or has what power at this point, And they're kind of playing into that. They're all making number one contender matches and it blows yeah. up in their face. It's, uh, I like it. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool, man. I really enjoy it. And as I'm watching this back, I remember this episode too. So, yeah, and, um, I do too. And Vin- 
Yeah, and when X Pac and Road Dog come out to face Taker, Vince comes out and has the commentary, which I was so excited about. So I love Vince on commentary. And I'm excited because we get to see Taker and X Pac in the ring again together. Um, but again, like you mentioned on Raw, Taker walks out instead of riding his bike. So um, hmm. he lays waste to them. Just th- He throws X Pac over the top rope. X Pac does a flat, like he flips over the top rope and does it, lands flat on his back right in front of the announce table, man. Like Ugh. it just. Yes, like it hurt me watching it. Like it was, I mean, there's no reason to take that bump. There's no reason to. Um, but Taker's really fast paced, man. He's just he's going at like a hundred miles an hour, just manhandling him. But he's still got his trench coat on. He didn't take it off, which bothered me. It was kind of puzzling. Yeah, I don't. I I guess he doesn't need to. to <laughs> yeah, doesn't care so. about these guys. I don't know. Yeah. So they kind of go to leave, and Dudley Boys cut them off on the ramp, and uh, DX head back to the ring, and Taker annihilates him and pins X Pac after choke slam. As he like he has like he's he's pinning X Pac and he's pointing at Vince, which I think is kind of cool, and uh, he's now the number one contender. So um, it's a, a little neat thing next is Devon hops in the ring and is like you know rubbing it in X Pac's face, and he kind of bumps into Taker. And Taker's just like, mm, man, and just kind of <laughs> shakes his head and choke slams him as well. So I love it, man. He's back for the title. Doesn't care about anybody. Not making friends. I yep. love it, dude. I love this Taker. Yep. Like, um, then Hunter, of course, isn't happy backstage, and Rock is backstage with Hermie, um, and he says it, it doesn't matter if Taker's number one contender. <laughs> He's gonna go king the ring, walk out as champion. So. Um, Rock beats Edge and Christian in uh, an insane match. I mean, I would encourage everyone to go watch. The hard cam is rocking. This is, at, I believe, this is at the, at the Tacoma Dome in Tacoma, Washington. It's a big arena, man. It's probably like eighteen, nineteen thousand people there. It's huge. I mean, the freaking hard cam is rocking. This crowd wow. so hot for this match. So Dang. yeah, really cool to see, man. Um, Obviously, the regime, fact regime, aren't pleased again. Taker, I mean, Hunter chews him all out and says, all right, you idiots stay in the back. I'm going out there with Kane by myself because I'll just keep messing up and that stuff. So Kane comes out, and he's got a little stroke apparently since he's been gone. And he reintroduces Earl Hebner as a referee for his match, which um, those of you not paying attention, uh, back at Backlash, uh, Hebner was, I believe, fired or something because he um, cost Triple H a title back then. So, um was he fired right then, or was it just like a big part of the storyline? Because I remember that was part of it with uh, with Hunter. Because I remember him pushing Earl Hebner when Jericho won the title that night too. So yeah, I, from him, I, I thought that was the one where he was fired. But I don't remember. Okay. Yeah, because we didn't watch all that stuff quite yeah. going into this. But he was fired at some point by, by Triple yeah. H uh, during all this mess nonsense. Well, Kane comes out and throws a punk card, and it's Earl Hebner. And so I guess Triple H is going to pick up that punk card and move on and. Kane wins after Hebner tries to take a chair from Hunter because Hunter's going to just get a DQ and Kane or Hebner takes the chair away. Hunter eats chokeslam and we got now we got three number one contenders. So cool little storyline built into this episode. But like you said, man, this is a lot of stuff going into just, you know, five weeks, but 10 episodes of, of shows, you know, so. So we're still three weeks away from the pay-per-view. we got to figure <laughs> yeah. out what to do with these three number one contenders, how to handle all that. Well, Raw June 5th, 2000 is going to kick off with investigative journalist Michael Cole talking to Mr. McMahon about Triple H having to face three number one contenders. 
Uh, Vince says, I really don't care how Triple H feels because he got himself into that mess. And if people just listened to him, they wouldn't have all these problems. So then we get just this big circle jerk of a segment with Triple H, <laughs> Stephanie, Vince, Yikes. the whole McMahon family. Oh, my God. It's what you just talk Like, it just goes on and on. Seriously. I, I'm the game. I'm the greatest professional athlete of all time. Just like 20 minutes of that. Uh, well, they're probably just killing time. Yeah, maybe Honestly, so. Because they have Raw and SmackDown to fill, you know? I, Seriously. I, I think you're right. Vince, Triple H, they get into a shoving match. Stephanie tries to get in between them. It, it is kind of funny and incredible considering how things are going to turn out <laughs> in real life. I, mean, I think this yeah. is still before Triple H and Stephanie were actually together. Oh, yeah. Uh, and doing anything together. But uh, Shane McMahon tries to get in between them. Uh, Triple H and Vince, that is, and they just turn and both knock out Shane at the same time, which is pretty funny. Which is probably how they both feel <laughs> in real life, too. <laughs> Stephanie slaps everyone because she has to be on top, uh, as always. And then, Heels up, man. Heels uh, always. Rock finally ends this whole big schmoz. Kane comes out. Undertaker comes out as well. Everyone's arguing over who is the true number one contender. So Triple H, or excuse me, Vince says they're going to sell it tonight. They're going to have a triple threat match, and the winner will face Triple H in the main event as the true number one contender. So uh, Kane and Undertaker both get interviewed and both say the same thing, that there are no brothers and no friends in this triple threat tonight. Uh, that that match, uh, Triple H comes out and does commentary for it. happens in the middle of the show, this triple threat with Undertaker, Kane, huh. and Rock. It's about as much fun of a four minute match as you can have. I mean, they just play it Mm. like it's the end of a 20 minute match. They're doing finishers on each other, (laughs) tossing each other out of the ring. Uh, They're sprinting at each other for four minutes, man. I honestly would have seen, would have rather seen this match go about 20 minutes as the King of the ring man event. than what we ended up getting would have been a lot cooler. But anyway, triple H assaults undertaker with a chair, then hits Kane with a chair and that allows Rock to end up getting the pin to face Triple H later in the night. And that match, again, uh, I encourage people to go out and check that match out. Triple H and Rock have a pay-per-view quality match here on this episode of Raw with some really hot near falls. crowd is really getting into it, thinking they might see a title change. But finally, the fact Gene interferes again. Undertaker and Kane come out to make the save. But Rock accidentally hits Undertaker with a chair. And I'll give you two guesses to figure out how Undertaker reacted to getting hit with a chair right here. <laughs> uh, Undertaker then takes out some more of his frustration on X-Pac and Road Dog and Shane. But Triple H gets the pinfall on Undertaker uh, while uh, during all this distraction. Uh, it's, all, it's a no DQ match, apparently. So Triple H is able to get the pinfall right there. Undertaker gives Triple H a right hand and sends him packing afterward. But as JR notes, we started the night with three number one contenders, and now we're down to none. Uh, Vince McMahon and the corporation faction regime, they have outsmarted these three guys. And uh, they might have got uh, the three amigos may have got stuff over on (laughs) Vince and Triple H on SmackDown, but they're back in power here at the end of this night. Oh, I'd love to see them come out in like Chevy Chase oh my outfits. Yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> oh, well, the McMahon Helmsley faction are riding so high that on SmackDown 42 on June 8th here, they come out to balloons. 
We got green balloons, black balloons, confetti falling. Oh, goo goo dolls. I'm, I'm not talking about goo goo. Yeah, goo goo dolls. So, uh, black balloons right there. Um, but Vince is absent, curiously. I don't know why. But um, anyway, Triple H rambles on and on and on about how they're having a party. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't even hate Triple H. I loved him at this point. Like, I really liked his character. I liked it. But, but this is amazing. where that reputation comes from. Yeah. I uh, am uh, the gamer. The gamer. Uh, yeah, like our podcast would be four hours if we talk about oh, this. But, um, you see it in in full light here. Yeah, but he goes on. There's no normal contenders, and Rock comes out, and he's like, I don't care if I'm not a normal contender. I just want to beat you up, basically. I'm going to get payback. And then Hunter literally calls Rock, oh, what are you, a party pooper? <laughs> it's like, what are you kick? suffering succotash? <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, he blames, again, blames Taker for Rock's losses to Hunter, and both at Judgment Day and Monday on Raw. So um, kind of, you know, stirring the pot there. And Taker comes out on his, on his bike, and uh, he and the Rock kind of talk smack before he rides down to the ring. And you see Kane looking on the tiny screen backstage. And um, Taker stares down the Rock, takes off his trench coat, glasses, and bandana. And it looks like he's going to head up the ramp toward the Rock. Then he just kind of shakes his head, turns around, and rushes the ring and takes out the entire faction here. <laughs> um, which is always just cool to see, man. But then, of course... You know, they're like little, you know, ants, and they overwhelm him, and the rock kind of stares on and doesn't want to come help, but eventually he comes down, and then uh, Taker tries to hit X-Pac with a chair, but as he moves, Taker nails rock again with a chair. So they're having this accidental, you know, this every this is a go-to storyline for, you know, the uh, friends, or the not really friends have to tag up. They all of a sudden accidentally hit each other, which is playing out on SmackDown Live as we currently speak. Um, in real in real life in 2018 um, with between AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan. But anyway, faction leave and Taker chases him on his bike, uh, kind of slowly, but um, Rock's laying in the ring. So later on, Rock's looking for Taker to kind of get, you know, what the heck did you do that for? And he walks into a, a locker room, clearly labeled The Undertaker, and Kane's just standing in there, and they just kind of stare at each other. And then, without saying anything, they just start slugging away, man. It was really <laughs> awesome. It was really cool to see, I like and the that. referee, yeah, referees and all these jabronis come in and break them up. Uh, it was it was intense, man. Like uh, it was really cool to see. Um, so Shane's got an idea, you know, it's going to be Road Dog, X Pac, and Triple H versus Kane, Rock, and Taker, which probably should have been the main event of King of the Ring. <laughs> At least those are six wrestlers. But anyway, um, so we got DX versus Kane, Rock, and Taker. So. Later on, Taker con- confronts Kane backstage, and he's like, you know, why did you just stand up, stand back here watching while DX beat me up? And, you know, Rock came down to save me, but you didn't. And Kane's like, well, I enjoyed watching it. Um, but, you know, I'll have you back tonight in the main event. But that's about it. After that, it's a man for himself. So real quick start to the main event. Right as Kane comes in, DX attack him, and then Taker kind of takes his time coming out. And um, Rock comes out late to the party. Like, you know, he and Austin get that late to the show. Uh uh, I guess uh, benefit they have that in their in their uh, contract. So, yeah. kind of a fun match though, telling the story of how the good guys aren't on the same page. Um, Taker eventually tags himself in and choke slams X Pac as Rock takes out Hunter and Kane takes out Road Dog and uh, Taker pins X Pac again. So X Pac is just Taker's like uh, pin dummy, He's just constantly pinning him every time they meet. So poor guy. Uh, yeah, I know, but um. After this, uh, Rock and Kane come, are on the ramp exchanging glances with Taker, who's still left in the ring. DX attack him from behind. 
Kane and Rock come back in. Shane brings a chair in the ring. And of course, Rock accidentally hits Kane with it in the confusion. Hunter shoves Rock from behind. Rock thinks it's Taker hitting him on purpose, and he turns around and grabs and hits him with a chair. So the brothers have a stare-off after they get hit, and Rock's chasing the faction away with a chair. So we've got everybody hitting each other with chairs. Lots more confusion here. So, again, everybody's not on the same page going into the next week's Raw. So, Well, this is all obviously building to a fatal four-way chairs match, right? Sure. That's what sure. it seems it's gotta like. It's got to be, right? Yeah. It's got to be. Oh, they didn't have those back then, I guess. Uh, well, Raw June 12, 2000 is going to give us some clarity, I guess, as to what we're building towards at King of the Ring here. And Rock comes out to a typically ridiculous reaction. Man blows the roof off the place as he comes out. Uh, the three amigos aren't able to get along, as we just talked about on SmackDown, and they're all about to face off with each other. When all of a sudden, Linda McMahon, of all people, comes out to play the peacemaker between these two, these three giants. Titans of the World Wrestling Federation, which is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. And... This segment, yes. you want to talk about Triple H dragging on. Linda McMahon talks like she's talking in half speed. It, her <laughs> promo sounds like this as she talks during this show. It's brutal. It's awful, man. Are you three great competitors? going to get sucked into that old divide and conquer strategy? I don't think so. You can't let that happen. You cannot fight against each other. You've got to be united. You at least for the next two weeks until King of the Ring need to join forces. The McMahons and the Helmsleys interrupt, and Vince gets to mouth off to Linda. He is just relishing this as he tells Linda, Oh, you must think you're some sort of Mother Teresa, some sort of Joan of Arc, or perhaps an attractive <laughs> Janet Reno. Which Ooh. <laughs> Yikes. Says, but she's actually a meddlesome, goody-two-shoes, castrating shrew of a wife. <laughs> really okay. like this. He called her shrew. Okay, he calls her shrew on SmackDown, so I wanted mm. to be said it before. He um, loves it, man. He's getting getting away with what he actually thinks. He gets to oh, say, yeah. oh, I'm just playing a character, honey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's like when he makes it. He writes himself to make out with all these attractive women when <laughs> they get into the company, too. Um, Linda's trying to get these three guys on the same page. <clears throat> Vince says he's intrigued by the idea of these three teaming up and asks Linda to explain what she means. Linda says, Undertaker, Kane, and Rock are going to team up at King of the Ring, and their opponents are going to be Triple H, Shane McMahon, and Vince McMahon. And Vince immediately and angrily says, <laughs> I accept that match. Um, he says he refuses to be embarrassed. It doesn't matter what type of matches Linda wants to make at King of the Ring or any other night. So behind him, Triple H is like losing his mind. Shane's going crazy, but Vince is just... Uh, on fire with rage at Linda, and it's influencing right. his decisions. So Linda says, oh, you don't care what kind of matches I make? How about Triple H defending the title against anyone I choose tonight? And how about Stephanie McMahon defending the women's title against Lita? And if anyone interferes, Stephanie will be disqualified, and Lita will win the title. So that's another thing we didn't mention, is that Stephanie McMahon is the women's champion. And yes. finally, dear God, finally, 
Uh, Linda says uh, <laughs> Shane and Vince are going to team up against the Dudley Boys in a tables match later on tonight, which is a real thing that happens on this show. <laughs> I forgot about that. Wow. I watched a recap on SmackDown. Yeah. Oh my uh, gosh. Um, interestingly enough, X Pac comes out, has a King of the Ring match after this, and he has the King of Rock remix to the DX theme with Run DMC rapping. They used it on SmackDown too. That's still intact on the network. So apparently yeah. their royalty fees are cheaper than Kid Rock's, I guess. I don't know what's <laughs> going on, man. Well, that '80s money ran out sooner than Kid uh, Rock's did. Dude, that was a that was a cool remix. I, I like that. It was, man. I, I dug it that. was. Um, so here we go. That Linda McMahon segment was a low point. This storyline thread tonight is one one of my favorite parts of this whole build. Triple H and the faction attack Kane backstage with like a little billy club, and they knock him out, and they unmask him with his back turned to the camera, and Pat Patterson gets his little uh, camera out like. Not a Polaroid, but it's not a digital Kodak. camera. Yeah, a little Kodak <laughs> camera, and starts taking pictures of Kane's face. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the idea is they're going to get these photos developed. They're going to go down to the Revco and use yes. these photos of Kane's face to blackmail him, saying they're going to broadcast them to the whole world, show them what Kane looks like, unless Kane decides to fight on their side tonight. So Kane is going to face Rock in a no-holds-barred match later on in the show. That's a good uh, little storytelling piece there. I like that. I like it. And you think we get a Billy Club shirt like the Bullet Club logo? So <laughs> have, a little, have a little Billy Club underneath it instead of like the guns or whatever. That'd be great. I'm ready for it, man. Billy Club. Start working on it. Um, uh, so yeah, like I said, Dudleys are taking on Vince and Shane in a tables match. Yeah, dude. It's actually goes for like six or seven minutes here. Uh, Vince McMahon almost died. Yes, <laughs> he did. Like literally, uh, oh. Bubba Ray is trying to powerbomb Vince off the top rope, but and X Pac and Road Dog make the save, and Road Dog sh- shoves Bubba, and Bubba drops Vince McMahon <laughs> from the top rope. To the ground, outside, outside the ring, and he does oh. not get up for a long time. <laughs> Dude, when the, yeah, because they showed a recap of this on the next SmackDown, and I was like, I remember that now, like, and but like, I was like, Dude, Vince almost died. That it night. is brutal. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, Triple H and Pat and Gerald are all walking backstage along with Bull Buchanan. And uh, they're talking about making sure the photos are going to get developed in time for the main event tonight. And Bull Buchanan's like, so what's going on, guys? And he's talking, excuse me. Wait, how does he say it? I don't know. You said it better than I did. <laughs> like, how's it going, guys? <laughs> he's got the Please. most country Please. voice you've ever heard. So run this by me one more time. Think about Undertaker. Um, <laughs> Fat dip. <laughs> well, Triple H... <laughs> Man, he's kind of brutally burying Bull here. It says uh, Undertaker was originally booked to face Bull Buchanan tonight, but apparently Undertaker pitched a fit and said Bull was not in his league. And, True. Yeah, I mean, he's not <laughs> wrong. So Triple H says, well, Bull, do you know how to ride a bike? And Bull says, yeah. <laughs> 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 And uh, they just happened to be standing by Undertaker's motorcycle, and the keys just happened to be in the ignition. So Bull Buchanan hops on, revs it up, and pulls away as the Undertaker runs up behind him. 
Uh, Undertaker tosses someone out of their caddy and steals that car <laughs> and drives off chasing down Bull Buchanan as Triple H, Pat Patterson, and Gerald Briscoe chuckle about their plan coming off without a hitch. And then Crash Holly sneaks up behind the Stooges and attacks them as he tries to steal the hardcore title <laughs> from the hardcore champion, Gerald Briscoe, all oh, in one second. Word. Wow. Just wow. wow. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> Uh, they uh, Crash actually fights Briscoe and Patterson after this. Or he fights Briscoe and Patterson runs out. And King and JR both use your favorite phrase here, Travis. They both say, I'm telling you, you can't unhear it. Once I point it out, you'll never not hear it. Um, I think that's our new Calvary. t-shirt, man. The oh, Calvary has arrived. Billy Club and the Calvary has arrived. <laughs> Undertaker. <laughs> Um, well, man, might be a little uh, blasphemous. I'm not sure. It but might be. They also had Allison 316. <laughs> so, but anyway, the Calvary <laughs> has arrived. Yeah. Yeah, the Vince is gloating in the ring about what's going on, about his plan uh, going off without a hitch here tonight, how his team's going to win at King of the Ring and demands Kane destroy the Rock tonight. And if he doesn't, he's going to reveal the pictures of his face. So Rock and Kane are fighting when GTV pops up on mm. Titantron. Uh, I think that had kind of fallen under the radar here after a while, but pops up here with Pat and Gerald are backstage. They're in the locker room. They open up these photos from the Revco of Kane, and they are just flustered as for some reason the photos did not get developed. They, they didn't come <laughs> out. So they start panicking. They say, oh, we can't tell Mr. McMahon about this. He, what he doesn't know won't hurt him. And so – the whole faction is looking at each other on the outside of the ring. Rock and Kane stop fighting with each other. They look at each other. They decide to go after the faction on the outside. The faction tries to run away, but Undertaker returns. Uh, I guess he left Bull Buchanan out in the desert because uh, he comes riding in on his bike. He goes after everybody. The Dudleys come out. They're trying to get wood, apparently, again. Uh, that's their catchphrase at this time. Yeah. Uh, the Rock gives Mr. McMahon the rock bottom. The three amigos take turns punching Triple H and Kane and Undertaker chokeslam Triple H through a table to an enormous reaction to end this episode of Raw. Man, that's a stuffed crust pizza version too, man. Telling that's you, man. a lot of stuff going on, man. I'm telling you. Oh, man. So that's the end of that episode. That leads us into... Um, into the next one, which will be SmackDown 43 on June 15th. So uh, we got this week, and then next week is the go-home episodes until we get to King of the Ring. So McMahon-Helmsley faction in the ring again for a long promo. Basically, the gist is this. Monday, they thwarted all Linda's plans, and Vince knows that the six-man at King of the Ring in this tag match, or he said, I'm sorry, he says, I know this six-man's going to win match of the year. So, uh, which Bold I, statement. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because he's so wrong. But um, anyway, Hunter's like, I know it'll make it even better um, if the good guy team wins, which if, you know, whoever gets a pinfall will face him in July at fully loaded for the WWF title. So he says, but he knows not, that's not going to happen. He doesn't have to worry about that because um, he then starts, you know, saying they can't trust each other. Uh-huh. But in the likely event that the faction are successful – like he knows what's going to happen, then he'll defend the WWF title against the King of the Ring winner in July at Fully Loaded. So 
he um starts saying, you know, basically, you know, I know they're going to pull each other off, you know, when they get to pinfall, so I don't have to worry about them pinning me or Vince or Shane. So, um, anyway, so that's cool. It'll add some stakes to it again, you know, and, and give stakes to the King of the Ring winner if they, you know, if Triple H's team can successfully win. So Vince says tonight, Y2J is going to have a surprise. So is Taker and so is Kane because, again, Y2J was the surprise on Monday night facing Triple H. So we see Taker coming backstage, arriving on his bike, and he's greeted by a bunch of cops, Vince and uh, <laughs> Bull Buchanan. So um, Vince and Taker, excuse me, he says Taker's going to be arrested for stealing the car on Monday from the guy. So whoever he stole that car from was just I don't just know who it was. Yeah. The guy. That guy. Um, yeah, that guy. There's always that guy. So um, Taker gets cuffed by the cops, and Vince is kind of berating him as he walks away. And then I just want to say Taker's got a fat dip in his mouth at this point. So you know he's loving his paycheck he's cashing because he gets to be himself and just have a fat dip at work. And he actually spits this dip on the Bobby Cannon's chest, which, again, we covered a couple of episodes ago about how much no fun it is to get dip spit <laughs> no, on you. you don't want that. Yeah, you don't want that. Um, so – Bull starts attacking him as um, you know you'd be prone to do when someone puts dip on you, and he gets restrained and Taker gets taken away by the cops. As Vince is like, "All right, have a good evening." So just kind of smarmy, arrogant. So later on, we see Vince in a limo and he's like, "All right, I'm gonna leave. I'll leave you in charge, Shane." So Kane's uh, surprise matches with Chris Benoit, uh, Jericho surprise matches with Bull Buchanan. So and uh, Rock surprise matches with Angle. So I just wrote one of these is not like the other. So <laughs> the other ones I'll take any day. Kane and Benoit and Rock and Angle, that's money right there. But Jericho and Bull Buchanan, that's a turd in a punch bowl. Yeah, so, man. They're uh, really trying to make Bull Buchanan happen right around now. It's fun. Like, if you think about it, he was in the company for almost six years, dude. From yeah. Truth Commission to this stuff here to uh, what, Right to Censor he was right in. Right to Censor. Then he was with John Cena at the beginning yeah. of John Cena's run as B squared, and it absolutely not one thing memorable uh, over six years. I mean, God bless him, but <laughs> not the best and, run. But they really wanted to make it happen. Oh yeah, putting him with Jericho here. So yeah, um, he's in the King of the Ring tournament. He's on the pay per view. Yeah, he is. That's a match I was talking about earlier that the crowd doesn't care about. So. Um, but yeah, we got the main event is uh, Rock and Angle, and it's DQ finish because we get you know Triple H, Shane, and Bull that come out and attack Rock, and Kane makes the save. Benoit comes out and eats choke slam. The rest of the faction come out with with clubs, and it's like I just wrote an NWO style beatdown. So they're you know got the Billy clubs, and they don't have Billy Club T-shirts on, but um, and then these Chicago fans start chanting Undertaker, Undertaker. So um, that was going on, but of course he's been arrested, so he's not coming. So that's kind of how the show ends. So beat down NWO style. Um, it just really reminded me of 1996 WCW. So. Oh yeah, I mean this whole fact gene stuff is kind of yeah. This uh, we've mentioned some good parts of this build up, but yeah, it's already just feels played out, man. I'm already yeah. sick of seeing these guys on the screen, and we just started talking about them. Uh, so yeah, the final two shows leading into King of the Ring 2000 here is the gimmick for this episode of Raw. Uh, I'll try to blow through it here. Is that uh, Linda McMahon is <clears throat> she has sent a fax to Vince McMahon, basically challenging mm. the size of his grapefruits. Furthermore, in this fax, my wife, in a personal attack, 
questions whether or not my grapefruits have shrunk to the size of raisins. What is wrong with Linda McMahon? Why don't you and shouldn't she know? She has two children with him. <laughs> he wants to prove what sort of man he is. So Vince says he will do that. He's going to give Chance for Taker, Kane, and Rock to make the match at King of the Ring a title match. Uh, like you said uh, on SmackDown, he's going to give them another chance to make it for the title here. But to do so, all three of those men will all have to win a separate handicap match tonight. And if even one of them lose, then the Magic King of the Ring will not be for the WWF title anymore. So it's going to be Kane versus the Hardys, Rock versus Test and Albert, and The Undertaker versus Bull Buchanan and Big Boss Man. So those are our three major matches for the night. Uh, Undertaker defeats Boss Man and Buchanan pretty handily <laughs> here. Uh, Thank God. Yeah. Bull is like Big Boss Man's protege. That's the gimmick here. But they're having some communication problems, and they actually break up here uh, during this segment. Uh, Boss Man walks away from the match, so that allows Undertaker to hit Bull Buchanan with the choke slam and walk away from it here. Uh, I think you guys will notice out there that we have not been talking about the last ride, Powerbomb, which I think we all associate the Undertaker from this time with, and we have not seen that yet. He's been finishing people nope. with choke slams here. That's been his move of choice. So I'm not sure when that actually debuts, but we don't see it at all here during this King of the Ring stuff. So in case you're wondering about that, um, Undertaker backstage gives his little brother Kane a pep talk, tells him to show the Hardys no mercy tonight. Don't screw it up because the title is on the line. And uh, he tells him, gives him some great advice. Oh, man, what a fact. Why don't you act like it's me you're in the ring with? You shouldn't have any problems. <laughs> so there you go. Kane does defeat the Hardy Boys out there. Uh, amazingly, I guess Matt Hardy just finally retired, but God, Kane and Jeff still on the active WWE yeah. roster. That's crazy. He's going to be competing at the Crown Jewel show. That is ri- <laughs> ridiculous. Um, oh. Triple H backstage is just livid at Vince for letting all this transpire. And Vince tells Triple H to calm down. There's still one more match to go. Uh, But, of course, Rock does defeat TNA in the main event. So that sets in place officially the stipulation for King of the Ring. If anyone on the Three Amigos team pins anyone on Triple H, Vince, and Shane's team, then that person will win the WWF title. So Vince... Uh, excuse me, Triple H flips out backstage, starts trashing the dressing room, and Vince tells him, let's just wait till SmackDown. I've got a plan. So, Travis, tell us what that plan might be. Well, here's the big plan. SmackDown 44, June 22nd. It's, again, just like we're accustomed to, they open up the show with an in-ring segment. Basically, Hunter's like, you know, I would luckily agree with Vince um, about the title being on the line, but the thought of Kane, Taker, or Rock being champ by pinning Shane, or you, Dad, Makes me want to puke. <laughs> That's great. He calls him dad. So, dad. Because, yeah, it's so good. But he's, like I said, last week's episode, he says, you know, their egos won't allow them to win at the expense of the other two. They're going to pull each other off, whoever's making the pinfall, which to me, that's good psychology, you know, for honest here. But he says, you know, I'm confident they'll win since, you know, me, Vince, and, and Shane have trust in one another. So, um, like I said, he's kind of putting, you know, uh, some trouble in between the three the three amigos as you've coined them. I love it. we're just going with that. Like it's a thing. I love it. Let's <laughs> Thank just you. keep it going. Yeah. So I love it. So um and then Hunter goes on to say that the WWF title is the most important thing in his life. And so JR's like, 
uh, isn't he a happily married man? So, <laughs> um, <clears throat> but anyway, uh, which would have been, well, I, I'm sorry, it wasn't JR. It would have been, uh, Cole, I guess, because it's SmackDown. So, and then that was a perfect opportunity for Lawler to say something about how many wives he's had. But oh my God. <laughs> yeah. But, um, Vince is like, well, the most important thing should be your family. So, and he rambles on about being a family man with values and yada, yada, which I guess plays into the whole thing with, with uh, Linda. So, he says the most important family value is one of love, and one must love a meddlesome shrew like wife enough to forgive her, and then you must love a, a non-respectful son-in-law enough to forgive him, and you must love your own doubting son and daughter enough to forgive them, and, and the, you got to give them challenges in the name of love, which I don't know what that means, but um, I have no idea. But anyway, he's like, well, tonight's challenge in the main event is going to be the exact same match from King of the Ring. It's it's those three against the three amigos. I mean, wow. it's they're giving away the match on on the four days beforehand. So um, anyway, Shane is livid. He takes a hike. Hunter and Steph take a hike. They're just angry. So Shane's so angry he's about to leave, and Hunter stops him backstage. He's like, No, 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 no. If I'm doing this, you're doing this. So brings him back, and then uh, Kane says kind of what you're you you catch him saying earlier. You know, brother, no brother, rock or no rock. Championships, all I want, you know, I'll, I'm gonna get it at the King of the Ring. Uh, Hermie interviews Taker, and he's <laughs> Taker says, "I ain't about a bunch of talk, but I will lay this on you. When's last time WWF has had a real bad A champion? So, yeah, got 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 something going there. Um, I mean, maybe, and, um, maybe Steve Austin, <laughs> maybe Steve Austin, yeah. But that's been that's been yeah, a it's minute, been a so. minute. You're right. So, um, Rock says Sunday, this alliance is over with the Amigos. Uh, the faction's going to be over, and I'll be a new champ. We got the main events, the six-man. Of course, though, before it begins, Vince is like, well, this is actually a no-DQ handicap match. Calls out Bull, uh, X-Pac, and Road Dog. They come out. They get squashed quickly. Then he calls out the next, you know, uh, I guess, min- set of minions. He calls out Edge, Christian, and Angle, who've kind of slowly teamed up together and they come out and they get beat up, and then until X Pot, Road Dark, and Bull can come back in. So now it's six on three. But then Taker takes out all of DX, and then Rock takes out Angle and Kane, takes out ENC. So they're all standing in the ring together, and then TNA and Val Venus come out because, because. So <laughs> I guess I forgot Venus was like loosely associated with them, and like Trish would come out with him sometimes. So, so now we got nine on three, and the good guys are overwhelmed, and Taker gets a chair. Uh, or excuse me, he gets hit with a chair on the outside from from X Pac, and then Kane gets suplexed through an announce table, which is pretty cool. Um, and then Rocket's beaten inside by the faction; they're beating him up, and he eats a pedigree. Shane hits an elbow drop from the top rope, and then Vince hits a corporate elbow, which is clumsy as heck. I mean, it's like a toddler learning how to walk, man. <laughs> like, he is so clumsy, not, not good. He's so bad. Not good. And uh, but the show goes off the air as Vince McMahon pins the Rock. So. Um, there you go. That's how this buildup ends. Yeah, so we did have the mind. match. We had the match, but we didn't really have the match. So right. I mean, it's at first I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Like, but then it it is more of an angle. But anyway, Rock eats the pinfall, which tells you who's going to win the match in four days or three days. So, yeah, uh, put a little doubt in your mind as to if the baby faces can overcome here. But I tell you sure. what, man, uh, just listening to this and going back and and reviewing it. They are making Undertaker, Rock, and Kane look really, really, really strong by having yeah, them they are. beat up 
six, nine, nine 12 guys. guys every single week, seems like. Uh, it's taken so many people to take these three monsters down. So putting them over as huge, huge, some of the biggest forces in the universe, if you will. And uh, that leads me to point out that I want to plug something here. It is a comic book uh, that one of our listeners sent us, an original comic book that they designed called Invasion from Planet WrestleTopia. And it is available on Amazon. Uh, You can search for it on Amazon. Uh, They sent us a couple of review copies of the first two issues on there that are available on Amazon. You can get on Kindle or actually get the paperback copy. Uh, it's pretty neat, man. Uh, it has got this just old school drawing in there. It reminds me of the comic books I used to read uh, when I was growing up. Man. It felt very retro, very old school about a uh, wrestler having to fend off uh, an invasion from some aliens from another planet. Uh, and they or they get this transmission uh, on their planet about him cutting a promo about being the best wrestler in the universe, and so they want to face him down. I uh, encourage all of our listeners, if you're into comic books and into wrestling, you can go check that out. Uh, you can find them on Twitter at SBP underscore comics, on Facebook as well, or like I said, you can search straight on Amazon, Invasion from Planet WrestleTopia Comics. So... Go check that out if that interests you at all. I enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. You can also find them on Instagram and, and Twitter at the Real Disco because Disco, remember when Disco he gets blamed for having that, for pitching that Mars invasion, the Martian invasion in WCW. <laughs> you remember he gets like he gets, it's just something he jokingly said, but yeah, that's funny. Maybe how that was he him. pitched that back in '99, and here's our comic book about it. So there you go. Thanks, Disco. <laughs> Glenn Gilberti. So. Well, that's going to take us right here to King of the Ring, June 25th, 2000, our main event here for the night. Yeah, take her back in the main event, dude. So, good, man. Oh, yeah, yeah, truly in the main event, yeah. Yeah, and this is from the Fleet Center in Boston. This is where WrestleMania um, 14 was, so. Um, I want to introduce a new segment here, Travis, if that's all right right. with you. Uh, Sure. You know, like I said, Vince Russo's been gone now for a little while. Uh, and so to honor him and his legacy, I want to introduce the uh, Vince Russo Memorial Moment of the Week here on our podcast. Oh, because absolutely, there is still, we're in 2000 here, but the traces of Russo are still very, very evident in a lot of we're seeing. We're st- there's yeah. still some goofy, stupid, terrible, ridiculous stuff that you look back on and you think, oh my gosh, that's got to be a Russo thing. Oh no, he's been gone from the company for nine months now. So this week, the Vince Russo Memorial Moment of the Week goes to, on this King of the Ring show, Pat Patterson wrestling Jerry Briscoe for the hardcore title in a hardcore evening gown match. That's right. Two Hall of Fame legends past their prime, 20 years past their prime, wrestling in a hardcore cross-dressing evening gown match. (laughs) This really happened, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, and Vince Russo was not there to book this. Not crowd. at all involved. <laughs> he also didn't make Mae Young give birth to a hand. Just saying. True. True. He did not. We'll cover that. That'll be our moment. It has to be our moment when we get to that one. So. Well, uh, oh. I will say the video package for this match, if you go back and watch this pay-per-view, it's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, they treat it like a joke. It's like... They- He's like GoldenEye graphics and like, yeah. it's, oh man, it was, kudos to Pat and Gerald for 
just going all the way with it, man. I'm sure it was a huge rib and everybody backstage loved it, but boy, it's something else to see it on television. Oh yeah. Well, it's, I mean, they're already the de facto winners of the Monday night wars at this point, you know, basically, I mean, it wasn't over, but it might as well have been. So they could do no wrong at this point, you know, sure, sure. they didn't have to try too hard. So if they were fighting from behind, they would have not put this on the show, but they're on top. They can do whatever the crap they want. So well, I think Pat Patterson was out. fighting from behind, from what I could tell. Hi, you. Thanks, Johnny Polo. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. But <laughs> all right. <laughs> Cleanse my palate. Palate here. cleanser, yeah. Yeah. Um, dude, I love the set for this show. I, in fact, I love all of 2000. I love how they had the unique yeah, set entrances. Sure. Sure. And, and I think part of the reason I love it so much is because, like, the first half of the year of 2000, all those sets are on the No Mercy video game on the sixty four, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. so that's probably why I have such great memories of this. But um, um, at some point backstage, we see Vince uh, going to talk to Linda, and he's like, "I'm not going to let you get under my skin tonight. And I'm going to keep my cool." And she's like, "Well, oh, excuse me." She apparently confronted him on Heat earlier. If you guys noticed, we hadn't been covering Heat. I went back and read reviews for every single one that we went through. Literally no build-up for any of this. So it's just all – Triple H fought Hardcore Holly on the Heat prior to this week for some oh, reason. Oh, really? But, um, yep, yep, defended the title against Hardcore Holly. Wow. It didn't li- lead to anything. That's yeah. why I was, like, going to go watch it, but it had nothing to do with anything else. So, um, But other than that, it's all just mid-level stuff. So uh, There are a few promos backstage before the match. Yeah. Um, Michael Cole, our investigative journalist, talks to Kane and – Again, says uh, he's coming for the title. That's the main thing. That's what Rock and his brother need to understand. And then little baby Jonathan Coachman, man. Oh, <laughs> baby man. face. Uh, yeah. Talks to Undertaker. Undertaker says, doesn't take a brain surgeon to figure out that Kane wants to be champion. It's the most coveted prize in our game today, but there's only one man that can wear the title, and I did not come here to Boston to lose. So just re- enforcing that these three guys are not going to be on the same page. They are all going to be out for themselves here in this main event. Right. Yeah. And it was, it was good stuff. I mean, it was so funny to see um, coach, man. He's just so young and skinny. And I mean, it's 18 years ago, so all of us were, but anyway, it's just funny to see him, you know, who he is now and where he came from. And he had so much hair on his head too. So yeah, <laughs> well, but no goatee, none on his face. Nope. Nope, 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 nope. It's like a baby. So, so funny, man. So, uh, yeah. And um, later on in the night, we see Kurt Angle win the King of the Ring. So, um, if all goes according to plan, he can face the champ next month at Fully Loaded. Right. So, we see him actually during the match walking or watching um, backstage. So, drinking a little glass of, uh, <laughs> actually, not a glass. He's drinking from a carton of milk. Shaking so. the carton. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. So, that's funny. Um, yeah. Good stuff. The faction, Fagjim, they are not on the same page either, though. Uh, nope. Especially Vince. He's frustrated with everybody. So dissension on both teams is the story for this match because uh, Triple H mainly is frustrated that his title is on the line here and uh, he doesn't want anyone out there possibly losing the title for him. So they do this cool little thing. They show Kane, Undertaker, and The Rock all just kind of getting in the zone backstage. They... Uh, zoom in on each of them, just kind of doing their final preparations for the match before they do their entrances. Vince and Shane enter together, come out first, and then Triple H and Stephanie come out separately. And JR brings up 
continuity here. He talks about Vincent yeah. Shane getting a win at last year's King of the Ring on a team. So they've got luck on their side. They've done well in the King of the Ring in the past, and they know how to work together. Yeah, man. Too bad Bossman wasn't helping them out this time. Mm, you're like right. he allegedly did yeah. last year. So, yeah, I mean, you got to give them kudos for um, remembering that kind of stuff. So I appreciate yeah. that. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So um, Kane comes out first for the Amigos, and uh, Taker's out next with this horrible music, and the editing is just... Dude, I just it's so bad. It's man. brutal. It's so bad. Like just the crowd, you can see them on their feet and like but they're not the sound doesn't match. It's just it's so awful, man. So awful. So anyway, but he kinda come, he comes in from a side entrance and that's his motorcycle's got flames on it. I, it's been a different motorcycle every now and then on these episodes of SmackDown. It's not the same one. So I don't know if they just rented one in each town they were in. I mean, Preacher would say they got it from, like, Cycles R Us or whatever, so who knows what they did. So, But anyway, he's rocking that trench coat, fingerless gloves, a sunglasses, bandana, black leather vest, and black leather pants. Not like back in 96, though. But um, nah, He's the and, leather man tonight. Yeah. Oh, yeah, nice little Pearl Jam <laughs> reference there. Got the leather man. I was so, thinking um, uh, SNL. Oh, Jimmy that. Fallon. Ratio. Leather man. Uh, <laughs> well, I was thinking Pearl Jam. So. Uh, understandable. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, but his hair, his hair's down. You know, he's had it in braids mm. the last couple of weeks on Raw and SmackDown. But he's got his hair down, letting his hair down for this match, man. You know, <laughs> let it all hang out. Absolutely. Rock comes out last, and the pop is just again, it's just getting redundant. He's ridiculously over. So, oh, ridiculous. Earl Hebner is going to be the referee here. We've talked about him kind yep. of being involved in these storylines. He's officially been reinstated by Linda McMahon, so he's going to call the action right down the middle here. And Shane McMahon decides he's going to start things off for the heel team, <laughs> yeah. just going right after Kane. He's the giant killer after all, and I guess he's trying to refute all the chants out there where Shane's being called a uh, you know, little putty tat. Uh, yep. <laughs> he wants to prove Simba, all the, yeah. everybody wrong. Yeah, he's Simba. <laughs> yeah. um, Shane ha- tries to negotiate uh, getting a free shot at Kane, and Kane obliges, but Kane just shrugs it off as Shane punches him and just tosses Shane around here for the first few minutes of the match. Oh, yeah. It's great, man. It's like playing with a, my wrestling dummy back mm-hmm. in the day. So he uh, eats clothesline from Kane, and then Kane does the military press slam, as we mentioned Last week, that who's that? Brian Crush Clark Crush, yeah, Crush would do, and he actually like pumps him up and down several times, which is cool. Um, Kane goes for a choke slam, but Vince comes in and he actually gets grabbed as well. But then Hunter breaks that up. That would have been cool to see that. But again, you got you got to tease the audience, leave them wanting more. So uh, this point, I believe Rock tags in and he nails both McMahon's. Kind of has a stare down with Hunter and does the old you know just bring it hand hand motion that he's so famous for, um, along with every other thousand catchphrases and uh, motions he had. And then uh, Shane attacks him from behind, and um, Rock actually gets beat in the corner by Shane. I just Rock is <laughs> taking a lot of offense from Shane McMahon here, so um, a lot. Yeah, uh, Rock reverses and tosses him out, though, and this is where Undertaker is going to tag himself in. He gets a blind tag on Rock, and that's what you're going to see from the babyface side. None of the tags are consensual here. Right. A lot of blind tags going on, and that's 
ultimately my problem, I mean, that's what you have to do here. Like, why sure. would anyone on the babyface side ever tag out? Because they might cost themselves a chance at ever getting back in the ring and winning the title. Right. Uh, so you exactly. have to have these blind tags to make it make any sense. Uh, so Undertaker does get in, and he just has a blast in there. He <laughs> is <laughs> narrating his beatdown on Shane McMahon. Uh, yeah, he's, this is my favorite part of the match. He goes, hello, Mr. Turnbuckle, and he nails Shane's head into the turnbuckle. <laughs> and Lawler on the commentary is like, Mr. Turnbuckle? It's like, it's just, <laughs> he loves it, man. And uh yeah, he's nailing his head into it. And I just wrote I just wrote, man, I just love this taker, man. I love oh, this man. version of Undertaker. He's right happy to be back out there. <laughs> oh yeah. Narrating his own match. It's just great. So huge choke slam to Shane and the rock breaks up the pin pinball. Um yeah, again, on his own teammate. Yeah, like like Triple H said on SmackDown, you know they're gonna do that. He didn't have to worry because they're gonna they're gonna eat themselves alive basically. Um, Hunter comes in and fights Taker in the corner until Taker kind of reverses out of it, and Taker hits a big back body drop on uh on Hunter. Hunter Hunter, Hunter bumps really well in this match oh, for yeah. these big guys. Yeah, he's he's good at that. Um, I remember mentioning that back in that uh, what was that the uh, No Mercy UK pay per view. He bumped really well for him in Austin, too. So Taker hits a DDT, and Kane pulls him off of the pin on Hunter. So Taker and Kane start going back and forth, you know, here. So, again, you can see dissension amongst the old amigos. This is probably the best version of Triple H ever, this 2000 Mm -hmm. era, before he really bulks up and before all the quad injuries and everything he's facing. Just, mm-hmm. I mean, he was, he really was a wrestling machine here in 2000. Uh, you see so much Ric Flair in him too, yes, in this match. Yes. Just like you used to see in Stone and Steve Austin before he had to change his style. Yep. You know, it's really, you see a lot see. of Ric Flair here. Yep. I love it. I love seeing it. So. Um, yeah. Undertaker starts arguing with Kane here as rock tags himself back into the match. Um, and my head is just spinning from all the overbooking here, man. Like, yeah, it makes sense. Like you said, it all makes sense. It is what they should be doing, but sometimes you don't have to reinvent the wheel booking a match, man. You could right. honestly have just done a fatal four way with these four guys and maybe done something like that without all this tag team stuff and without all the McMahon nonsense going on here and all of these friction between all the different teams. There's just so much stuff going on and, it's more than the crowd can handle, man. They are mm-hmm. really, really quiet during this match until the very yeah. end when they finally wake up and they don't know really who to get behind or who to cheer for out of all these guys. It's, uh, I don't know, man. Uh, it wasn't my wasn't the best match to really come back into uh, as far as the podcast goes. Uh, it was a little let no. down by it. Yeah, I like the build up a lot, but the, this match itself is not that great. So, uh, like I said, Rock Rock here tags himself in, and then. Um, there's just some stuff going on. <laughs> Basically, they're back and forth, and Taker and Kane come around the corner and take out the McMahons. They're all on the outside. Taker then uh, nails Shane and uh, and kind of makes his way up the aisle, and Kane is kind of squared off with Vince, which leaves Hunter and, and Rock to um, face off with each other. And the Rock's over by the announce table, preparing it for deletion, you know, clearing everything off the table and taking the pencils out, which, again... I never understand that. You should, you should jam the pencils in the 
in the table. Oh, absolutely. So they're, so they're sticking up. <laughs> so they, when you Why slam not? your opponent on there, yeah. it hurts worse. So, but anyway, um, the table's being prepared for deletion, and then back in the ring, though, they, they get back in the ring some, somehow, and he hits a swing and neck breaker on, on a, excuse me, on Triple H, I believe. And then Hunter goes, hits a pedigree, and then pins Rock, and then I don't know what happened here, dude. It looks like Undertaker was supposed to make the save before Rock had to kick out to you know, stop Triple H from yeah. winning, but he's still fighting in the crowd and misses his cue. So he gets there like two seconds too late. So the Rock actually has to kick out of Triple yeah. H's finish right here. And Undertaker doesn't quite get there in time. And it like it almost looks like it screws everything up here for a minute. Everyone kind of doesn't really know what yeah. to do after Undertaker blew that spot, which is pretty rare to see the Undertaker coming in mm-hmm. late for something. So he's got a little bit of rust here after being off for so long. Uh, they Everyone just kind of stumbles and bubbles around, including the Rock, as the Rock... Basically, he's his story is he's refusing to tag back out to his teammates, even though he's hurt. Right, he doesn't want to give up his chance of being in the ring to win the title. So the heel team basically gets Rock on the wrong side of the ring and just continues to beat yep. him down over and over again, which leads Mister McMahon to finally tag in. Uh, he hadn't been in the ring for the entire match, but Mister McMahon or Joe Cool, as <laughs> Jim Ross likes to call him for this match. Well, he calls himself down SmackDown, I think it was. He oh, says okay. Joe Cool. So, yeah, that's where I came from. I forgot to mention that. Yeah. So, they call him Joe Cool. <laughs> he gets a few shots Which in on the rock before tagging back out. It's an outdated reference in the year 2000. Oh, so, for sure. Nowadays. That's perfect for Vince. People have no idea what that is. So, yeah, go ahead. Sorry I interrupted you. No. <laughs> um, rock fights back in the heel corner, but Vince... Hits him with the old Death Valley blow. Uh, allows yeah, Triple man. H to get a two count. Uh, oh, I think this is where Hunter hits an actual wrestling movie. It's a suplex, oh, which okay. is cool to see. Yeah. And then he gives the old suck it and does the Ric Flair knee drop. Like I said, again, just coming out of the corner and does the knee, just like you see Charlotte do nowadays, just like you used to see Stun and Steve do. He used to do it. I mean, it's just amazing to see these guys and how much they emulate Flair, you know? Um, Hunter goes up top, but comes off. Uh, for some reason, he jumps off the top turnbuckle, and Rock hits him in the belly with his right hand, I guess. Then uh, Hunter hits a neckbreaker, and then Kane saves the Rock from losing. And then Vince tags in again, and he punches Rock, and then slaps, goes over and slaps Kane. <laughs> and uh, the brothers, basically. And Oh, I'm sorry. I think I went back. I went back too far. So I apologize. This is Vince hits him with that Death Valley spot. So my bad. I backed up before you were talking. I apologize. There's so much to follow here. It's just hard to hard to get my mind around it. So that's all right. Um, yeah. We see Taker and Kane pair off on the outside again with the McMahons as Rock and Triple H are in the ring together again. And all of a sudden, Kane takes out the Undertaker out of nowhere. Yeah. Tosses him into the stairs. And decides he's going to go for it all on his own here. He's going to take his chance and get the title. Man, the title, the WWF title is kind of like the ring from Lord of the Rings, dude. It just corrupts people. The, the, yes. the thrill of it, the yes. chase of it. That's what <laughs> happens to Kane here. He gets in the ring. He uh, Kane interrupts as Rock's going for the people's elbow and gives Rock a choke slam. Uh, Triple H gets up and gives Kane a thumbs up for helping him out. But Kane gives Triple H a tombstone. <laughs> yeah. And tries to pin Triple H, even though he's definitely not a legal man. But right, yeah. Uh, Earl gives him. Uh, Earl gets down to count, gets a two count, but Undertaker makes the save this time, and he goes nuts on Kane 
on the outside and then gets the spot of the night on Shane McMahon here. This is what finally wakes the crowd up after 15 minutes. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, uh, Undertaker grabs uh, King's chair and Nels came with it. And uh, JR's like, he took it from him. He goes, he didn't take it. I gave it to him, so, which is great. So He said, I'll give it to him again. He can, he can hit uh, a <laughs> so He can hit uh, the rock with it. But anyway, this is the spot you're talking about right here. Shane is up on the top turnbuckle. Taker jumps up on the apron, grabs him by the throat, and choke slams him off the um, top rope to the outside through the announce table that was prepared for deletion. And, like, I remember this spot vividly, but I didn't remember it was from this match. Did you? Remember from this match? No, not off the top of my head. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember this very vividly, this spot, but I did not remember it was from this match. And um, very cool, but, like, Part of the problem is that with absolutely no time, let the crowd sink that, like let that sink into the crowd, right in the ring. So you get that giant spot, the crowd wakes up for it, and they're like, "Oh man, like you know, holy crap, that's amazing!" Immediately in the ring, Vince goes for a people's elbow on the Rock, um, and he Rock stands up halfway through it, he hits Vince with a sloppy Rock bottom because Vince can't bump, and pins Vince McMahon at 17 minutes and 54 seconds to win the WWF title. So, yeah, The Rock pinned Vince yeah. McMahon to win Triple H's WWF yep. title, much like he pinned Midian to win Midian. Undertaker's <laughs> tag team titles last week. Yeah, so he's got a pension for pinning the wrong guy to win the title. So, oh. um, but I just, man, my only problem with that that giant spot was they didn't let it breathe at all. Man, there was nothing like there was no room in between to let the crowd breathe, and then it was just boop, matches over. It was just like, man, I feel like they should have been they should let it sit for a minute and. I don't know. That's just me being nitpicky, I guess. But no, you're um, right. If that spot happened in 2018, there would have been ten replays from every different yeah. angle immediately afterward. You let those two guys would have sold it for three minutes while everyone yeah. else is like sleeping on the outside. Which right. I think they go a little too far to the other end of it sure. nowadays. There is a happy medium there, but yeah, you're exactly right. They don't. They don't. We get one replay after the match is over of this insane spot, yeah. like. I've never seen a spot like that because the it's way Undertaker nuts, jumps down with him and just yeah. goes full force with the choke slam, it's a sick bump. It's I love it. It's one of my favorite oh, spots yeah. we've seen. Yeah. There's no this before days of Shane jumping on crash pads too. Like this is just oh, the, the sure. just the table. Yeah. You know? Just the table. That table is deleted for sure, man. Um, the crowd does come alive for this win by the rock and they, and they enjoy it and then <laughs> JR goes Joe Cool lost the WWF title for his son-in-law, which is a sentence I never thought I would say. Right. <laughs> so, uh, Rock celebrates. Hunter is pitching a hissy fit, walking toward the back. You know he's livid. Um, and Taker looks and he looks back at Rock and says, "You owe me one, you son of a, mm. you know." So revs which, up, takes up off the ramp. Yeah, he's he's absolutely right. Yeah, he, he allowed the Rock to win basically right there, and oh man, it was. A little bit of a disappointing match to, to come back to, yeah. in my opinion. Uh, I'm ready to see what the Undertaker can do in some solo matches. I think we got a fun one coming up next month. But honestly, it, it disappointed me too just to see that we're already going back to the Undertaker and Kanewell again, it looks yeah, like here. I, I mean, I love both those guys. I love their story. And it is great that it kind of they're always connected with each other, but also... Dude, he just came back after nine months, and that's the first thing mm-hmm. we're going to go to here. We've we got all these fresh new guys that are 
coming around, uh, but we'll, we'll see where things go from here. Uh, we'll see where he winds up next, but we're going to go into fully loaded 2000 next week as we keep the Undertaker motorcycle, motorcycle ride rolling along, rolling, rolling, rolling up to the last ride of his career, one match at a time, as he is going to face off against the King of the Ring winner in a fresh match here. First time ever seeing the Olympic gold medalist Kurt Angle on the podcast as he faces off against the Undertaker. Yeah. Really interesting match that we'll cover here. That'll be on next week's podcast. We'd love to hear what you thought about this match, about King of the Ring 2000, about the Undertaker's big return, uh, the debut of this character, your memories of that, of Judgment Day, of any of this buildup, of course. Uh, like we said earlier, you can hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Talking Taker to give your feedback on all of that. And you could subscribe to the podcast and leave comments and feedback at Podbean on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and YouTube as well. Uh, as many other services where you can get podcasts, but those are the main ones. Absolutely, you can. And um, yeah, uh, we're going to be back, like I said, next week. We might have to take a pause after that because two weeks from, or excuse me, a week from this Friday, um, my daughter is supposed to be born, scheduled to be born that day. So, um, we will we'll let you guys know on the Twitterverse or uh, social media platforms what we're doing with that. So we sh- we, sh- we should be okay. I think we'll be all right to to make a make this show drop when it's supposed to on each week. But if we have to for some reason delay it, we'll let you guys know and notify you. Um, all ten of you. I'm just kidding. There's more <laughs> than ten. But um, anyway, we do like to keep it consistent if we can. So um, anyway, but yeah, this that show is gonna be fully loaded. Uh, this show is fully loaded. Oh, it's overstuffed. Yeah. Crust pizza. Um, We'll try to streamline a little bit next week. We won't have so much ancillary stuff to talk about or stuff, you know, with him coming back. We'll just get to the, the meat and potatoes of it. But I'm excited about that one because Kurt Angle is interesting, especially in 2000. I, I hated him because I was supposed to hate him as That's a character. Right. So, yeah, you know, he, he did his job very well. But, um, yeah, um, why don't you hit us up with a, our, our Twitter sub before we, before we sign off here? So last week our, we uh, yeah. both – Gave out our top 10 taker matches of the 90s. Top 10 pay-per-view taker matches of the 90s. and I didn't even think about that. Of the it, 90s. Of the That's 90s. True. That's right. <laughs> and Travis, uh, sorry to tell you, but our Creatures of the Night agreed with me. Uh, they voted for my top 10 over your top 10. 66 to 33%. So, sorry to tell you, man. I had the better top 10. Well... Everyone's entitled to their own opinion. So, <laughs> fans are like cake holes. Anybody has one? <laughs> well, I think we, it's a whole saying. Yeah. No, I, I mean I can't go wrong with yours. Yours was great too, man. Yours just, was too. I, I I think it's because I put that Big Show tag team match on there. It's probably what got me. What made me lose? Well, so. interestingly enough, here we asked for you, the fans, to vote. We put the poll up uh, on the Google Doc to uh, at, tell you to vote for your top ten matches and. I thought it was interesting that my top 10 won out because this list honestly has a lot more in common with your top 10, uh, the fans. Oh, really? Here. So here are the top 10 matches that came in for the fans' vote of the okay. Creatures of the Night. Uh, we actually had a tie at number 10, uh, so we actually have a top 11 here, but a tie at number 10 for two matches from 1996, Diesel and Undertaker from WrestleMania 12, and... Bret Hart and Undertaker from Royal Rumble 1996. 
and there I believe both those matches were on your top both 10. Both those were on my list, yeah. Not on my top 10. Uh, number nine, another match that was on your top 10, not on my top 10, Undertaker versus Hulk Hogan from SummerSlam, oh, excuse me, Survivor Series 1991. It's a big title right. win there. So that one surprised me, getting on the fan top 10 list. Number eight, King of the Ring 1996, Undertaker versus Mankind. Yours. That was on my list. Number seven, the Ground Zero match between Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. That made both of our lists uh, mm-hmm. right there. Number seven. Number six was the infamous Final Four match. Undertaker, Vader, Bret Hart, and Stone Cold Steve Austin. That was number two for both of for us both, on our list. Yeah. One of our favorites. And it did get into the fans list here. A little bit lower at number six. Number five on the fans list was Buried Alive, 1996. Mm. Undertaker and Mankind made both of our lists as well. A little bit higher for the fans than on our list. Seemed like they liked that one a little more than we did, but still made it on there on the top ten. Number four here, a match that also made both of our lists, Bret Hart, SummerSlam 1997, the SummerSlam. (laughs) The SummerSlam, The SummerSlam, right there. Uh, Arguably his best straight-up wrestling match, I think. And here's the real crazy one to me. The real... uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, the the one that really jumps out here. Can I guess? Sure. Is it Kane Taker from WrestleMania 14? It is Kane and Undertaker from WrestleMania 14. A match that did not crack either one of our top tens got number three on the fans' vote. I had a feeling that was going to be up there just because people. I think people remember that, and I would probably would have put it up there too until you go back and watch it. <laughs> go back and watch it, people. <laughs> oh, it is cool, like to see that. And the storyline and everything, but I remember you and I both being kind of underwhelmed with the actual in-ring product there. Yeah. So, number two was actually our number one, our both consistent number one, Bad Blood, oh. nineteen ninety-seven, the Hell in a Cell match, and number one, beat it out by one vote. Here was the King of the Ring Hell in a Cell match between Undertaker and Mankind. Went down as the fans' choice for their favorite pay-per-view match of the 90s for The Undertaker. It was number five on your list and actually did not make my top 10 for reasons I explained on last week's episode. But, you know, what are you going to do? That's the awesome thing about this is that everyone's got their own different opinion here and the fans voted for that. Well, I would say that we're even then because literally every one of my matches made that (laughs) top 10 except for the tag team match. (laughs) Yours had several left off. Yeah, I don't don't know, man. But you won the other poll. So I'd say we got even. We'll call it even. We'll, 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 we'll call it straight down kidding. the middle. Yeah. I'm just we'll kidding. It doesn't it. matter. I'm just we'll kidding. see what happens after this era. We'll, we'll put a new we'll vote up after match. this one. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Uh, we had a lot of great Twitter comments from everybody over the past yeah. week. Way too many to read, but uh, go. <laughs> Gino McManikin was killing me with some of his memories uh, oh, from goodness. this yeah. era and, and from the early 90s era as well, talking about, you know, uh, <laughs> Everyone being freaked out about the Berserker back in the day and agreeing with some of this classic Johnny Polo commentary. Uh, <laughs> Dolores Hooper shared some classic Undertaker comic books. Speaking of comic oh, books yeah. earlier, those were really cool. Love to get our hands on some of those. Uh, Randy Turco shared some Undertaker classic merch. He doesn't have the foam hands, but he has uh, some Undertaker foam fingers out there, which is pretty neat. Uh, that his mm-hmm. wife actually had back when she was a teenager and a wrestling Whoa. fan. Yeah, pretty rocking. 
And then a lot of people shared some of their favorite uh, biker taker memories and preparation for this show. So very, very cool to see all that. We love interacting with you. Continue doing that. Thank you for everyone who retweets, likes, uh, shares the podcast, lets people know about it. If, like we said, if you've got fans in your life of this era of The Undertaker, if this is their favorite time, please point them towards us and let them join on with our journey. Yeah, absolutely. And if you were, you guys were there at uh, Freedom Hall in Louisville, Kentucky at Judgment Day when Undertaker returned, let us know about that. Um, if you were there at Boston in Beantown when you know this match we actually covered, King of the Ring 2000, if you were there, let us know about that. Let us know what your memories were. We're seeing him back in the ring on pay-per-view for the first time. And uh, on a serious note, our thoughts and prayers go out to Joe Anawaii. And, the, you know, that's Roman Reigns, for those of you who don't know, and, you know, his battle with leukemia. We want to pray with thoughts and prayers with him. Um, no matter what you think about his character, he's still a great guy. And uh, so, yeah, Absolutely, on a serious man. note, and we Absolutely. will cover him on this podcast as well. So can't wait to get to that stuff. So, but, yeah, anyway, um, other than that, ladies and gentlemen, we got a uh, – well, actually, Taker came back on SmackDown 1000 last week, and he had three words for us. That was rest in peace, but I got two words for you, and that's take her easy. Well, the new year is upon us, Andy, so in my opinion, I think this is the most relevant time to look into the future. The future, Conan? <laughs> that's right, contractual friend. <laughs> Let us all look to the future. All the way to the year 2000.